Hello, everyone. This is Bill Apter, and I just finished taping an episode of Count It Out with Mike and Tyler, or Tyler and Mike. They're brilliant hosts. You've got to listen. You've got to see. Count it out. Yeah, I endorse it. They've got the after chat seal of approval. Ladies and gentlemen, this is David Penzer. The Russian nightmare, Nikita Koloff. Rapid delivery, Rory Fox. Alexia Nicole. This is Lady Leonard. I'm Ardo Cal. This is Wildcat Chris Harris, one half of America's Most Wanted. Hey, this is Jason Sensation. Diamond Tiger, Kobe Durst. The hardcore icon, just incredible. Travis Moore, the day tripper. This is Bill Apter. This is Ma Dole Connor. Visionary Vaughn Vertigo. The voice of Ring of Honor, Ian Riccoboni. Sean Williams from the Cincinnati Bengals. Tyson Dukes, the wrestling machine. This is Nova, the elite athlete. Carrie Silk, Ring of Honor ambassador. Former WWF slash WWE referee Jimmy Corderas. This is your boy Stevie Ray. Nick fucking Gage. Now that's not just the coolest, and that's not just the best. That, my friends, is... Count it out with Mike and Tyler. Well, we are live, pals, and it is part two of my favorite episode of the year of the Bill After Seal of Approved, Counted Out with Mike and Tyler. My name is Tyler, and I am joined by Mojito Mike this week. He's back. The Mojito hasn't been in the house in a while. Raising the roof, feeling good. Mike, yeah. hot episode last week, man. Lots of great guests. How excited are you to get into part two this week? Man, if you told me that we were going to have Jimmy Corderas and, and, and Anthony and, and Holden Albright on the show, and then we could top that, I'd call you a liar. That's but right. This week. We, but, I, but I think we did it. This week, joined by the one and only Lenny Leonard. And uh, we're going to have Bronwyn Billington as well. Love me some Bronwyn. She's so awesome. Yeah. Again, just like Jimmy Corderas. And the pokeroo, I keep missing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a lot of stuff to get to before we get to that. So last week we did our, our tag team of the year and we did our pay-per-view of the year. And I want to get right into it this week, man. I want to get to the match of the year. What was your match of the year, Mike? Because there was a lot of good stuff going on this year. A lot of great wrestling this year. So much good wrestling. And it's hard for me because... <sighs> Because it's the most fresh in my mind, I want to go with uh, Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham from Final Battle. Um, I'd also love to go with Nick Gage versus Matt Cardona. But I think I'm going to have to go, if we're just going straight out phenomenal fucking wrestling match, I got to go with Josh Alexander versus TJP. Uh, Iron Man match. In their Iron Man match. Yeah. I... Man, that's a tough one to argue against for sure. Those guys tore the house down. What a year Josh had. If you want to hear more about that and you haven't heard our show last week, go back in the archives, www.countout7.com, uh, at YouTube, at CountedOut7, I believe is our YouTube handle. Like and subscribe. Leave us some comments, by the way, people. you got to be subscribing. Lots of good stuff on that uh, YouTube channel. And, uh, yeah, Holden Albright, 
that's my point. I forgot what I was getting to there. I got so excited. Plugin talks all about Josh Alexander last week. Um, yeah, exactly. And jo- like you said, Josh had a hell of a year, and this this capped it, man. This was, and this was even before he got into the the world title picture. This, mm-hmm. this was him proving that he is the best X division champion of the last ten years, if not of ever. Yeah. Um, I got a couple honorable mentions I want to give here. Uh, I want to go back to the NXT Vengeance, Kushida versus Johnny Gargano. Right. They really tore the house they down. Really yeah. um, sticking with NXT, Walter and Champa had a great match. Um, in the WWE, I loved Edge and Seth Rollins in the Hell in a Cell. I thought they had a great match. I also had Josh and TJP engage in Cardona. Uh, from the AEW side, I really like Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. They had that great hardcore match where Baker was a bloody mess. Darby Allen and MJF had a hell of a match at the last pay-per-view. Uh, but for me, I'm going for my match of the year as uh, Kenny Omega versus American Dragon, Brian Danielson. The half-hour draw they did at uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium. I know a lot of people are like, ooh, it was a tie. Who gives a shit? To me, that's just the style of wrestling that I like. I, they had a great wrestling match. It is two of my favorite wrestlers of all time, and and they did not hold anything back. They had a great back and forth match. I really would. I really hope we get to see more from those guys in the next year coming up. I don't have a problem with the whole oh, it was a tie, blah blah blah. But it, it's but then he went and did it without a page too, and, mm-hmm. and it's kind of getting to the all right. Can, can, can he did an hour with Page though? Anybody? Yeah, I get that. But did you see that meme going around? I mean, did you send it to me? Maybe it's. Um, it's the Daniel Bryan meme, and there's a picture uh, of him beside Kenny Omega, and it was like, you couldn't beat me in uh, in 30 minutes, or I, whatever, something about you couldn't beat me in 30 minutes, and then it was Adam Page saying, you couldn't beat me in an hour, and then underneath it was Seamus going, I beat you in 17 seconds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was yeah. I, thought I didn't was funny. you, but I did see it, yeah. Um, well, what do you think, man? Uh, I, I like both our picture match of the year there, and I think that we should maybe get into... Uh, our number four moment of the year here. Your number four moment of the year here. Absolutely. Uh, like I said, it, it, it only gets better one after another. We're getting closer and closer to the number one, but the number four, what a way to start this list. Yeah. And you know what? We're going to go right there uh, with the one and only Mr. Lenny Leonard going to be joining us talking about your number four and your number three moment as well. Ooh. And here we go. Um, our number four moment and our, our biggest stories of the year is uh, Ring of Honor going on hiatus. You know, Lenny, uh, Lenny Leonard is the, the man to talk to here. You've been with the company off and on for many years. You are one of the main voices of the company during what I think is their greatest period. Um, the last time we talked to you, we were heading into Death Before Dishonor. We're looking to crown the first women's world champion. How special of a night was that for you? Because I, I saw a lot of the tweets that you put out after there where you thought maybe... I might be done with this, you know, uh, from a personal standpoint, how, how big was that night for you? It was really, it was really a lot more important than I thought it was going to be going in. Like I, at first I, it felt like it was just kind of a, you know, it was a chance to keep working and get to see some people that I hadn't seen in a long time. But I, I don't think I realized uh, probably how I needed some more closure from when I had left there, because it was kind of all just, it was just kind of abruptly over. It wasn't like a negotiation. It wasn't like, you know, we were trying to figure something out. It was like I was there one day and then one day I wasn't. And it was 10 years later uh, and here we are. So 
and I don't know that I thought I needed it, but I think in the end it probably was really good for me to have a chance to go back there and uh, get to have one more go around and a, and a goodbye with a lot of folks, even though I didn't know that it was going to be a goodbye uh, potentially for a lot longer term again than when I first got there. It was always, yeah, you know, we'll see if there's something down the line we can do. So I was uh, struck and shocked as probably everybody was when that announcement came out. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised by it as well. Cause you know, for me, I think it's safe to say that ring of honor, it always delivers in the ring. Um, you know, since they've come back, they had that great pure title tournament to kick off. They had the fantastic women's tournament. Why do you think they weren't getting the buzz that all the other companies are getting? That's hard to say. Uh, I, I, I think I know running in front of no fans for a long time was they were continuing to put out TV product and their TV product has been good. Um, they, they've been putting good stuff out, but you know, without people in the building to get energized and talking about that, it's, there's nothing that compares to a live experience of being in the building um, to kind of get people buzzing about something. So when they're taping shows that may be great, but they're not, you know, they're not being seen for, you know, a few weeks and they're being seen in a building with no reactions, uh, with no fans going crazy. Uh, it, it makes it difficult to get people excited about what you're doing. Um, but I, I give them all the credit in the world. They took uh, they took care of everybody that they were uh, contractually obligated to take care of, um, even though that they were not, you know, receiving the kind of revenue that they uh, we're expecting when they signed those deals. Um, they very easily could have gone the quote unquote budget concerns or budget cut route that we saw uh, affect a lot of people over the last year, but they didn't do it uh, until they got to the point where they had no choice but to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they deserve a lot of credit for how they handled the pandemic. Uh, but ultimately they are a very small cog in a very giant corporate wheel that is in the midst of some very difficult financial um, constraints based on uh, other deals that that company's pursued relative to regional sports networks that they purchased at a uh, ridiculously high premium uh, that the debt service on that purchase has been absolutely enormous um, and it's it's been impacted. So when uh, you've got a lot of cash going out the door and no revenue coming in, uh, you need to take a hard look at your bottom line and your finances. And that's what Sinclair did. And unfortunately, uh, while Ring of Honor was probably not costing that company a great deal of money uh, to run, when you're not bringing any money in and it's all red, then you know you have to make some decisions that uh, are going to be difficult. And they, they needed to cut money and, and cut budgets and save money where they could. And you know, Ring of Honor was deemed to be an expenditure that wasn't really um, conducive to what their overall business strategy was. So they made the decision to pull the plug. Now, what that means for next year, if they are able to come back in, in April, uh, as they've talked about with uh, Supercard of Honor, and then you know continuing to be uh, a television product with no one under guaranteed contracts and just kind of a paper appearance deal, it'll be interesting to see if they can pull that off. Uh, I, I hope they're able to just because any any additional places for people to work is a plus, right? You don't want to ever 
eliminate options for people to earn a living, uh, even if it's a per date appearance. Um, but I, I don't know how they do it. I don't, I don't know how they generate the interest uh, in a fan base to continue long term. I hope they find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. I really do, um, because it's difficult to picture the wrestling landscape uh, without Ring of Honor being a big part of it. Um, so I hope they're able to figure it out. But I, I mean, if you put a gun to my head right now, my gut says they're done. Yeah, and I, I hope that uh, I hope we're wrong on that. I, I'm kind of leaning towards the same way with you on that. I, you know, Ring of Honor, I, I think has been one of the most important companies over the last 20 years, um, and we'll get into that in a minute here. Do you think, uh, in hindsight, that maybe Ring of Honor missed the boat by not jumping in with all this forbidden door stuff? Because um, the, the people that I talked to, a couple interviews here and there, when when I asked them about it, are we going to see Ring of Honor? A lot of the attitude was we don't need to, we're, we're going to stand on our own. We're going to be ring of honor. Uh, maybe in hindsight, not the best way to go about it. Yeah. I think you'd say that's fair. Um, I, I, I think they were starting to realize that towards the end because we saw the deal to get the Briscoes into GCW. I think that was probably the, and again, I don't know the details, but um, just outside looking in, my gut said it was the first step towards more um, down the line, potentially before the, kind of rug got pulled out from under um, the creative folks in, in Ring of Honor. So uh, I think them letting the Briscoes come to GCW, the Briscoes winning the championships, you know, you saw FB and AJ Gray go to ROH and wrestle mm-hmm. uh, and wrestle there. I think that was the first step towards it. Um, but yeah, I, I think hindsight 2020, I think if they had uh, take if and again, I don't even know if there was an opportunity, like you never know, but if there was an opportunity to do something with AEW, uh, I, I think it would have been, it would have helped them to do it. Again, would it have potentially changed anything at the end of the day? Probably not yeah. because uh, the purchase of those sports networks is what drove the bus where the bus ended up going. So I, I don't know that there was anything Hunter uh, Delirious could have done uh, that would have, stop the inevitable i think it maybe would have helped you know in the short term for sure it would have helped generate some buzz around the product but i think at the end of the day uh this this was a business decision that came from way above anyone in roh joe Koff included yeah i think that's uh, pretty fair to say i think that's pretty perfect uh you know you say the name the briscoes let's talk about the briscoes a little bit as far as i know i think they're going to be the only people that were on the very first ring of honor show as well as the last one, unless I've missed an announcement. Um, how, how important and how incredible are the Briscoes to that company? And, you know, we're seeing them in GCW now. Do you think um, we're going to see the Briscoes kind of venture off uh, all over the place? Are we going to see them pop up in places like AEW or are we exclusive with GCW? I hope so. I mean, I, I, they haven't lost a step inside the ring. Their, their match in LA when they won the championships in GCW um, from the second year crew was tremendous. Like it was probably my favorite match of the night. Um, they, they are literally among the best tag teams uh, of all time. And I don't think that's a stretch to say that. I don't care what company you're talking about. You can put them up against anybody over the last 20 years uh, and their body of work speaks for itself. Um, so I hope that, you know, selfishly that they continue to show up and, and go places because I love watching them. Um, 
but you know they they have a lot of interest outside of wrestling they their whole chicken farmer thing is not a uh that's not just a character for television they legitimately have sixty thousand chickens on a farm in delaware um that they have a company that you know they run and they raise the chickens for you know commercial production for uh for meat um and they they have a big business that requires a lot of their time and attention so uh i hope that there's still more down the line for them but who knows uh i i'm i I hope selfishly for me that I get to call at least one more because it was it was great to catch up with them. I hadn't seen them in a long time, uh, other than saying hello at the ROH show. But it was the first the first match of theirs that I had called uh, in close to twelve years. In fact, I even mentioned on the show uh, it was a I want to say it was a six man tag uh, where they teamed with Kenny Omega against Austin Aries, Red Titus and Kenny King. That was the last Briscoe's match I called in Ring of Honor uh, before I left. So it was cool to have my first match back with them, have them winning championships. So that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Well, what are some of the biggest differences in Ring of Honor from when you were there the first time compared to making a return? Uh, a lot more money. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't just mean for me, I just mean the production in general. It was clear that you know, they were no longer a, a mom and pop company. It was a uh, professional wrestling company, uh, you know, bigger buildings, better cameras, better production. Um, just it was that's the big difference is it went from, you know, the little the little engine that could in the Murphy Rec Center uh, in 2003, 2004 to uh, you know, worldwide pay-per-view owned by a multi-billion dollar conglomerate uh, on weekly television. So it's a, it, that was probably the biggest change of all. Mm-hmm. Came a long way from uh, doing those shows out of Gabe's basement, right? Uh, yeah. Well, no, we did them in Sal's living room. Oh, Sal's living room. Way. Yeah. But th- from doing commentary there, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, a big name that I think of with Ring of Honor, someone we've had the pleasure on our show, uh, who's absolutely hilarious and quite a character, is Kerry Silken. Um, do you have any good carry stories? Because that guy is—he's awesome and he's crazy. Yeah, I, I don't think I could do justice to to, to carry stories beyond what he's already told. So, uh, if you haven't heard his podcast with uh, Ian Riccaboni, I would definitely recommend going out of your way to listen to it. Uh, his, his stories are probably best told uh, by him. But I didn't have a lot of involvement with carry, so. Uh, while I was there the first time, like I, I, all of my dealings were with Gabe. I really didn't, and we weren't going to shows. So I think I'd only met Carrie like once uh, the whole time that I was there. The first time I probably spent more time with Carrie uh, when I did the tournament this summer uh, than I ever had. Like we sat and we talked for a couple of hours and I had a, you know, it was, it was great. It made me sad that we didn't kind of have that time, you know, 10 years ago, but uh so now I, I unfortunately probably don't have as many good stories as everybody else. Cause I didn't get to hang out with them very often. Hmm, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, we're hoping to have him come back on the show in the new year, because I, I could listen to that guy. Just talk about the history of professional wrestling forever. And there's another guy whose life would be a hell of a movie. If anybody ever wanted to write it. Oh, a thousand percent, a thousand percent. Um, you know, I just kind of want to talk about some of the classic stuff in ring of honor, some of the stuff that kind of put it on the map, uh, talking about its legacy a little bit. Um, for me, a big one that comes to mind right away, uh, that great angle on their first pay-per-view, their 
Second pay-per-view, maybe the man up one, the ladder war with Steen and Generico against the Briscoes, the debut of the age of the fall. You know, you take a look at some of the people that, that are running out there. Jimmy Jacobs got to be one of the biggest unsung heroes in company history. Tyler Black making his debut, uh, the late Brody Lee, uh, hanging Jay up, just dripping blood all over the place. What do you remember about, uh, about the debut of the age of the fall? Yeah, I, I remember that it was the first time I met, you know, Seth Rollins and now Tyler Black then. Um, and, and I, and I'd heard a lot of good stuff about him and then, he jumped the he jumped the rail at the open when we were opening the pay per view. It was Dave and I at ringside, and there was a four way in the ring. I want to say it was Claudio Castagnoli, um, Nigel McGuinness, uh, Marafucci, and oh, I can't remember who the fourth person was. They were in the ring, and then Tyler jumped the barricade and almost knocked me and Dave over, ripping the mic out of Dave's hand, screaming "Age of the Fall! Age of the Fall!" Uh, I always remembered that. And then just Jimmy licking the blood uh, and catching it in his mouth as it was kind of just pouring off of, off of Jay. It was a, it was a spectacle. Uh, It was amazing for what it was at the time. It was an angle you could never do again in a million years. Uh, And it was one that I think Gabe even said, looking back, he kind of regrets it a little bit now knowing what we know, just because of, they were just some hellacious unprotected chair shots uh, delivered in that angle to kind of set the whole thing up. So, um, yeah, it was it was great for what it was, but you could never reproduce it now. No. Something that I thought Ring of Honor kind of um, brought back to, to modern wrestling was long title reigns. You know, at the time when Ring of Honor first came in, hot potato was the magic word. Your world titles, IC titles, whatever company, NWA, TNA title, it was changing, you know, bi-weekly, monthly. Then you got Samoa Joe coming in here over 500 days as a champion, you know, American Dragon over a year as a champion, Nigel McGuinness with a legendary run. How important do you think those title reigns are, you know, for wrestling now, like getting that back and re-educating an audience to get used to long champions? Uh, I think it's good if it's used in the right way and it's the right person. I don't think long reigns just for the sake of a long reign is, uh, is good if the person who has the belt you know isn't working then you know sometimes you got to make a change um, for the sake of making a change but I, I don't think you just have a long reign for the sake of a long reign because that's what was done in the past where you had uh, you know Vince McMahon senior telling superstar Billy Graham you're going to win the belt here and you're going to lose it here and nothing you do between now and then is going to change that yeah. Bob Backlund is beating you on this date in 1978 period end of story and i think now had that situation arose um you probably wouldn't make that call because i think there was a lot more that they could have done with billy graham turning babyface at the garden uh before the end of that run where they probably could have stretched it out another year Mm -hmm. if they wanted to but it was set in stone that this is what we were going to do uh and then Backlund was going to keep it until you know whenever um so I, I like it when it's done right, when it's with the right guy and it's with the, and it's the right reign. But I think the flip side of that, and we saw it a couple of times in ROH, I think personally anyway, where they may have missed the window to pull the trigger on a guy. And when they finally did it, the reign didn't kind of have quite the run it should have. Um, and I'm Tyler Black being, being the one that immediately springs to mind is I think they waited 
you know, probably too long to make the switch to Tyler. Uh, and his reign was probably not as effective as it could have been because of that. So it's a, it's a, it's a precarious position to put yourself in, right? You need to just make, I think the big thing is making sure that you put the belt on the right person at the right time and you do it in the right way. Uh, I think that's probably more important of whether it's, you know, just good to have a long reign or not. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. I agree with that for sure. And, you know, I think it's safe to say, though, that Ring of Honor, it's definitely been the number one place for developing the future of the business. You take a look at every major company, uh, you know, and even the independents right now, they all came through Ring of Honor. What is it about Ring of Honor? What was it about Ring of Honor during that time period that let these guys just build and grow as performers? Like, what, what, what was the magic there? Uh, they were given a lot of creative freedom. I think that's a... I think that's something that we're seeing come up over and over again. And we're seeing it now as well. And it's the, it's a lot of the reason why guys are going to AEW it's creative freedom. Give me the chance to go out there and figure myself out as a performer, figure out what works, what doesn't give me the chance to sink or swim, give me the ball, let me run and see if, see what can you know come of it. And, and I think that ring of honor has always done a good job of, you know, identifying that next wave of talent and then giving them the opportunity to kind of fine tune themselves and grow uh, and then see what comes of it. And I think it's been uh, a fairly successful formula for them for a very long time where they've been able to do that. And it's fostered that environment of creativity uh, to be able to, you know, figure out what works for a performer and then take that next step. Yeah, it always seemed like no matter who left, they always had somebody there that was ready to step up. And, and I thought the booking was really strong with a lot of these guys. Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here as, as we start to wind this down, uh, either from a professional standpoint or a personal standpoint. What are some of your just favorite memories overall of Ring of Honor? Uh, personal standpoint would definitely be my friendship with Prezak. Uh, you know, I always had a ball working with him. I always still have a ball working with him. Uh, I, I'm friendly with everyone uh, in in wrestling that I'm that I'm, you know, come to be acquaintances with. But Dave uh, is one of the few folks I would really call friends. Um, along with you know Dave Fuente, who was a cameraman during my time there, and Allison Danger, who's probably uh, my best friend you know on the planet, uh, based on you know getting to know each other from back then. So. Uh, I've been fortunate to make a lot of great personal friendships, uh, even, you know, Gabe and Sal um, through there as well. So that's been great from a personal standpoint. Bobby Cruz, another great friend of mine. Um, and just professionally being able to get the opportunity to, you know, really learn on the job. I had not been doing commentary very long when I started. Doing Ring of Honor, I'd maybe done maybe a year's worth on the indies in Florida. So I was still green as, as anything when I started there as well. Um, so I got a chance to learn while working in the best indie uh, in the country, you know, at the time. Uh, I got to call some of the best matches in the world uh, legitimately as voted, you know, in every major publication uh, in wrestling. Uh, I got to be a part of some groundbreaking stuff. I got to make uh, friends from all over the world. So I, I, I have nothing but positive and fond memories of, of my time with Ring of Honor. And I was 
uh, and was and am proud to have uh, had the ability to work there for a long time. Uh, I couldn't I couldn't have said it better. Um, last question for you. What do you think the legacy of Ring of Honor is going to be in the history of professional wrestling? I think Ring of Honor is going to be seen as having changed the landscape of wrestling for the better uh, for the early 2000s, I think. Uh, none of the bigger companies would have uh, placed the emphasis on in-ring ability had it not been for Ring of Honor emphasizing it first. Um, it, it took wrestling from the era of uh, larger-than-life comic book characters to smaller, quicker, more athletic um, action-paced matches uh, where those guys could be seen as legitimate draws up and down the card rather than, you know, the opening match, cruiserweight match, um, where you could see guys like Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, Roderick Strong as legitimate headlining talent, even though they weren't 6'3", 250. Oh, perfect. Um, I, I'm with you. I, I will always have a soft spot for Ring of Honor. Uh, the, I think they've been my favorite promotion over the last 20 years. That 2006 era, especially, I put up there with the Crockett era of the Horsemen running wild. They're my two favorite periods of wrestling. Uh, it's such an honor to get to talk to the voice of that time period. Hey, wrestling world. Check out my friends at CanadaOut7.com. Wrestling podcast, news, and a lot of awesome content. Even got all the All Ontario Cup event setters. Also, follow them on Twitter at CountedOut7. Also on Instagram at CountedOut7. CountedOut7.com with Mike and Tyler. Uh, what Mike's number three moment of the year is uh, in our, our yearly countdown here, and that is Nick Gage and the rise of GCW. Um, I would say that Nick Gage, just what a year he's had in general from dark side of the ring, uh, appearing on AEW. I think he's clearly the face of GCW. What is it about Nick that you think just draws people to him? I don't know that you can put your finger on it. Like I, Nick is one of those guys who just, he has an ability to connect with fans on a level that very few people in pro wrestling have the ability to do he he just draws people to him he has that just intensity that honesty uh which i think goes a long way he is who he is he doesn't hide from it um and and he speaks plainly he speaks his mind and he speaks to the people uh and they just gravitate towards him and if you've never been in a building uh a gcw building when Nick's entrance music hits and he does his entrance, there is nothing like it uh, anywhere in wrestling that I've ever experienced. Like people going absolutely bonkers for this man when he comes through the curtain. It's, it's like nothing I've seen in a very long time. It's, it's really impressive uh, to see the reaction that he gets as soon as his music hits. It's crazy. Yeah, like everyone always says, you know, you think about these great passion entrances, you always think of the Sandman at the ECW show. 
from what I've seen, that's like a mild Nick Gage entrance. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's crazy. Uh, the entrance he made when Cardona, the Cardona match, people rushed the back. He couldn't even get out. Uh, it is definitely something special. It's definitely something that's drawn me and I want to see more of it. Yeah. Even in, in LA, um, when we were there back in September, I got to do the show out there and, uh, he couldn't get to the ring. Like it was insane. It, it literally took almost his entire song just to make it around the ring from the entrance. He was just mobbed. It's crazy. Was that the, um, the match with uh, Moxley in LA? Am I... uh, no, no. Mox was out. It was, um, it was Suzuki. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um... It was Suzuki. And it was just, it was crazy just trying to get to the ring. And, and Suzuki had an amazing entrance himself. Um, you know, his song just, people go crazy. But mm. when Nick came out, it was another level. Yeah, what a what a great tour Suzuki had in the North America this year, too. He was all over the place. Uh, but Nick's also been all over the page. The G1. Yeah. He skipped the G1. He's like, ah, it'll be there next year. He's like, I'm going to America for two months, and I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to wrestle everyone and everywhere. And uh, and it was awesome to just see him in a couple of different locations, uh, in a couple of different styles of match. Uh, it was it was just awesome. My first chance to actually call stuff for him. Uh, it was so it was really cool. Yeah, that's super awesome. Um, you know, and and him and him and my, uh, sorry uh, Suzuki engage something in common. They both showed up in AEW. How crazy is it watching Nick Gage on network television on AEW on TBS? destroying Chris Jericho with plates of glass and light tubes. It was, it was unbelievable. It it was, but I I also go back to what I said about, you know, Moxley in GCW doing things that he doesn't need to be doing. Chris Jericho does not need to be doing matches like that. Uh, And he did it because he wanted to do it. Uh, So it was, you know, a lot of respect goes to Chris. Um, I know a lot of mainstream people would not, step foot in the ring with Nick because they don't know, you know, what they're getting themselves into, uh, you know, especially after if they've seen the whole thing between Nick and uh, David Arquette from a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. you know, that could certainly scare some people uh, out of maybe wanting to get into that kind of situation. But Nick is, uh, I, I think anybody who, you know, wants to test themselves in ways that they've never been tested before you know, would, would probably jump at the chance to get in there with Nick. And I think Chris was no different. And I give Chris a lot of respect for, uh, you know, getting out of his comfort zone and, and putting on a, a good match with Nick. Absolutely. And and I could see Nick, uh, I would like to see him do periodic work like that for AW because I think that they've got a great spot of him just coming in and being a killer now. You know, uh, how MJF brought him in as one of those pillars to fight Jericho. That's a great spot for Nick to periodically come in and, and just... People went nuts for it. It drew a great rating. Domino's Pizza might not have been too happy about it, but. Uh... <laughs> uh, I, I think in the end, you could probably find a way to spin it to make anybody happy if you if you get the right number of eyes watching. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of a lot of people watching things, Dark Side of the Ring. Um, what an incredible episode of Nick Gage. I was really excited to watch it because it was one of the episodes where I didn't know a lot about his backstory. Um I learned a lot of things about Nick. How did you think that the whole episode uh, came across? And, and what was a lot of the reaction from, from people, you know, in the industry from the episode? I think it came across really well. I think it gave people a lot of insight into, you know, who Nick is and, and what he went through and, 
you know, how, what kind of a person he really is at his core, um, you know, and he, he was troubled and he, uh, he didn't do things the right way and didn't handle things well and, you know, went down some, some terrible paths and paid his price for it, uh, paid his debt to society and came out of it on the other side, you know, motivated and, and ready to go. And I, I think it's an amazing story uh, when you look at it at its core of a guy who could have very easily given up on himself when he got locked up, not just the first time, but then the second time, uh, you know, that could have been it for a lot of people. And I think it showed um, how mentally strong Nick really is at his core, that he was able to kind of fight through that, come out of it a better person on the other end, and then, you know, reach the heights in his career that he's reached now and find the success that he's found after all that. It's a testament to, you know, what kind of person he is deep down and how motivated and, and, and how strong of a person he is. I think it's a it's an amazing redemption story. And I think if, you know, anyone in Hollywood hasn't hasn't seen that story, I think it would be ripe, uh, ripe for a, uh, a screenwriter to go in there and, and put that story on the big screen. It's an amazing story. I don't I think you can you couldn't write a better story uh, than the one that Nick's lived. Um, it's brutally honest and, and it's, they did a good job of capturing, uh, Nick and every, everybody that I've talked to, the feedback was really positive on it. I think it was one of the stronger episodes that they've done in the series for sure. Um, one of our, one of the local wrestlers in Ontario here, uh, big Ben Ortman's, he was the guy that played Nick as well. And he's a fantastic hand. So we're going to talk to him a little bit later about, uh, about Nick's and uh, his involvement with that. I'm excited to hear he's had any interaction with Nick as well. Um, you mentioned Chris Jericho and the respect you had for him stepping up. In my opinion, I think one of the greatest feuds in the entire year was uh, Gage and, and Matt Cardona. Um, do you, I, like Matt Cardona, to me, he really stepped up. I think he's earned a lot of respect from the wrestling world. What was your first reaction when you heard that Nick and, and Cardona were going to work together? I was excited for it because I, I don't think anyone would agree to do something like that if they weren't all in you know i i don't think anybody would half ass something like that so you know i i was excited when i heard it because i knew that matt was going to do everything he could to make it as good as he possibly could uh and i and i think it's been a home run from start to finish and now it's kind of morphed into you know the the feud between matt and effie and then now Matt and Chelsea with Effie and Allie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see where it's going to go. Matt and uh, Matt has been great uh, on every show that he's done for them. He's, he's, you know, you couldn't ask for more from him. Uh, and he seems to be having a ball with it. So I think that helps too. If somebody can come in and, and have fun and it kind of can come across, then, you know, it's got a chance to do great things. And I think, you know, Matt and Chelsea seem to be having a lot of fun with this, and uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. Is it safe to say that Matt is the new king of wrestling Twitter because he's, he's hitting home runs every tweet? Yeah, he's he's up there. I don't know if anybody's ever going to be better than Stokely Hathaway, but uh, at least out of my book. But he's he's been pretty good. He's been pretty good. So that match had so much hype going around it. Uh, I think it blew away every expectation. I thought the match was crazy. I thought it was awesome. Uh, for sure, the coming out party of Matt Cardona. I love the little things that he did in that match. Uh, wearing all white, uh, you know, I thought was so smart. Very old school style, the really emphasis of blood. I was surprised 
seeing how like I, I know Matt Cardona loves wrestling and, and then he, he's got like the Luke Gallus syndrome where they'll do anything and everything but you know for for never really seeing GCW in that style of wrestling I was blown away watching him go through glass and and he really earned my respect after that match do you think that they may have pulled the plug a little bit too early on Gage and Cardona no do you think they could have got a little bit more gas out of that one uh I mean I guess you could always kind of you know look back and say well maybe we could have done this on that but i think uh i think the kind of plan was always to get it and i'm just guessing because i haven't had any of these conversations but just from watching i think the plan was always for it to end up where it is now um could you could you have done it you know a little bit later yeah but I'm, then i don't know if you're peaking with matt and chelsea with um you know ali and and effie heading into uh hammerstein if if that's the case so uh, and I don't even know that that's what's happening at Hammerstein. In fact, I think they're wrestling before that. I think they announced um, it on the show before. Yeah, yeah, I think they just announced this week that they're they're going to be wrestling um, L.A., if I'm not mistaken. I think so, yeah. I think Either so. L.A. or the Texas double shot. It was one of those two. And I apologize for not having that off the top of my head. But um, So, I, yeah, I mean, I guess you could have probably gotten a little bit more out of it. But, you know. Hindsight 2020, I guess. Yeah. And of course, like just the incredible heat that Cardona got after the match, visually, all the garbage being pelted in the ring. What are you thinking seeing something like that? I haven't seen heat like that in almost 20 years. You know, you're going back to like the the NWO. Some people loved it and thought it was the best thing. Some people hated it and thought it was a danger and a disgrace. Well, I, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I you know, it's a double-edged sword, right? You want you want that visceral reaction of hatred and and Sometimes it kind of metamorphosizes into into something more than than what it ended up becoming. Um, it, it, it's you know it's a catch twenty two, right? You want you want that reaction, but you don't want too much of that reaction. So how do you you know you, you don't want something happening like we saw you know on television this week with Seth Rollins, yeah, right? So it's a fine line to walk to kind of get somebody to really hate you uh, enough to want to jump the barricade, but not enough that they do, right? So how do you thread that? How do you thread that needle? Um, but it's tough because very few people now, as heels, really want heat—like real heat. Mm-hmm. They want people not to like them, but not a lot of guys really want heat. And Matt wanted and got heat for the first time. Uh, I think that a lot of people have seen heat on that level in a long time. So I think that what was what's was what was so jarring about it is you just haven't seen anyone get that kind of reaction like that in so long that it was kind of jarring. But yeah, I, you know, I, I it, it's what you want as a performer, right? You want that you want that instant reaction back and Matt got it for sure. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't come out there and say, Hey, insert local sports team here. You suck. Like he, he really went for it and, and the payoff was, was huge for him. Uh, and, and, you know, not that I know Matt personally, but just from his online presence and interviews, I've listened to him, you know, that he just has such a love for the business. So I'm really happy that he got that. Uh, he had to have been frustrated coming out of the, the last end of his WWE run there. So, you know, to show the world what he was really capable of, uh, got to just feel great for him yeah yeah i would think there's a lot of there's a lot of folks coming out of that environment that seem to have a bit of you know not i wouldn't i want to say a chip on their shoulder but they're coming they're coming out of there with something to prove to a lot of people it looks like and i think the possibilities for indie wrestling with a a motivated group of people hitting the indies for the first time 
it's pretty exciting. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of uh, a lot of people. Obviously, you don't you never want to see people lose their jobs and their livelihoods. Um, these are people with, you know, mortgages and cars and uh, wives and husbands and children and things that bills they have to pay. So you never want to see somebody lose their livelihood. But uh, hopefully there's an avenue, you know, for them to pr- continue to pursue this creatively and uh, and get some fulfillment that way down the line, you know, on the indie scene that they may not have been getting, you know, in Connecticut. Absolutely. You know, and, and just from a fan watching too, uh, just with the way that they took the belt off Cardona with that great angle, John Moxley, I mean, I would be really happy to see those guys kind of settle their differences in the GCW ring, but how crazy is it? Like if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that I was going to see Matt Cardona and John Moxley in the GCW ring, I would have told you you're nuts. Like I love wrestling right now. It's amazing. It's a great time for sure. There's a lot of exciting stuff happening and, and I think there's a, a lot of opportunity for folks to take what's been a, a pretty crappy year on a lot of levels and, and turning it into something good for 2022. Um, again, everybody, January 23rd, Hammerstein Ballroom. Catch our friend Lenny Leonard here doing the call. Before we let you go, Lenny, let everybody know where they can find you. Uh, just Twitter at WWN Lenny Leonard. Uh, still throwing back to my World Wrestling Network days. I don't do a whole lot there. Uh, too much now, but uh, it's always my home. It's where I got started, so uh, it'll always be my Twitter handle, no matter what. And uh, you never know when I'm going to pop up back there again, either Shine or FIP or ACW, or uh, you never know when I'm going to show up uh, over there or where I'm going to show up, actually, because I'm pretty much a free agent, like wherever I want. So. <laughs> the nice freedom, eh? Well, we love having you here, and you always have an open home to come here. Um, it's always an honor to talk to you, and I will say that with a pun intended, of course. Um, I hope you have so much fun at Hammerstein. We will be watching. Uh, would love to have you back on to talk about it at some point. Have yourself a very happy holidays, happy new year, and thanks again for joining us, Lenny. Same to you. I appreciate it. It's always good to talk to you. And Lenny has just got so many good stories. What a great deep dive he took into GCW as well as uh, Ring of Honor going on hiatus. And I will say, I want you guys to stick around in a couple of weeks because uh, before GCW runs the Hammerstein Ballroom, Lenny's back on the show and he's given us a full yeah. breakdown of his thoughts of the Hammerstein heading in there. Uh, Lenny, I have way too much respect for Lenny. Like, like Lenny's thought process of everything is just beyond what I ever would have expected it to be. Meeting Lenny Leonard last year, or this year, I should say, um, was a highlight of our year, uh-huh. uh, which is something else. I don't know if we plan on this. Something else I do want to I want to end this show with. I want to talk about our highlights of the year. Uh, but but meeting Lenny, talking to Lenny, both on show and off show, when we hit that record button off, was just, just a pleasure because he's not just a commentator. He's not just an announcer. He's not just, you know, some guy on a wrestling show. What a mind. What oh, a man. mind Lenny has for professional I wish wrestling. he had his own he podcast. Really support, you know? So yeah. Lenny, uh, thank, Lenny. You, thank you for, thank you for being involved here, Lenny. And uh, Lenny, there's an open invitation for you to have your own podcast under the counted out banner anytime you want. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I want to kind of shift gears a little bit here. Uh, you know, we'd like to always stay positive on this show, but there is uh you know, unfortunately, there was a lot of sadness in the year as well. And we lost a lot of great performers this year. And, um, 
you know, just some all around fantastic, fantastic people in the industry. And some of them were veterans and some of them were way too young. And we just want to take a moment here and pay our respects to uh, all the fantastic people that stepped inside the ring or had any association with the professional wrestling business and gave their bodies and their, you know, their, their lives and their, and their, uh, you know, just all around gave everything to us, the fans. And we just want to show our appreciation and, and just take a moment to pay our respects to those that we lost this year. 100%. The natural Butch Reed. And somebody's horn's gonna get broke, and I don't plan on being mine, you understand? Because the natural man is strong, I'm ready. I got the best body. I got the best ability. I got the best health. And I am the man, and I'm coming to take you out, my man, somewhere. All right, I thank you. The natural Butch Reed, he is gearing up for his upcoming meeting here in town with superstar Billy Graham. Joseph, question mark, Hudson. Ran right into that variation of the Mongrovian spike. Now he gets all of it. Down goes Jervis. Victim to the art of karate. You're the best around. Here is your winner, the question mark. Karate. Karate. Jim Crockett Jr. I regret having to take this back from Dusty. If any man deserves this championship trophy, it is Dusty Rose. But I feel that in the very near future, he will have a championship trophy around his waist. The NWA has already started taking bids for the site of the TV tournament. We've already had bids from Las Vegas, Philadelphia, Chicago, Jacksonville, Florida. I don't know where it's going to be, but the tournament will be very, very soon. Thank you, David. Buddy Colt. What are you talking about a secondary position? I take secondary positions to nobody. Paul Jones is Florida heavyweight champion because the referees in Florida are biased. He pays them off, takes them out to dinner and buys them drinks, gets them girlfriends or whatever. I don't care. That's why I did not want this return match in Florida. I asked for it. I said any place but Florida. Anyway, Charlotte, North Carolina outbid every place else. So the match is going to be held right here. Now Barry O. This contest is scheduled for one fall with a 20-minute time limit. Introducing in the ring at this time from fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, weighing 241 pounds, Barry O. New Jack. New Jack. Let me tell you something. 30 years ago, we would have been strung up in somebody's tree getting hung for beating two white boys the way we just did but now you might want to come out here and put some belts on us but the only belts we're gonna be wearing around here is the tag team belt let me tell you something i don't like being up here i was getting out of my car i slipped and fell it's a tobacco spit and you know what i'm saying nothing but rednecks up here nothing but geeks up here nothing but coal miners up here chicken farmers Clansman, I don't like nobody but my partner. You understand? I don't care who you line up in front of me. I'm going to show you how bad New Jack and Mustafa is. You want to talk about violence? Violence to you might be pushing by in the figure four. Violence to me is taking a can of gas and pouring it on you and setting you on fire. Like me or not, I didn't come up here to be like. I came up here to get paid. And whoever you put in front of me, I'm going to drop yeah, you down. Yeah. I'd like to send a yeah, special yeah. shout out 
to my homeboy, OJ Simpson. Keep up the good work, baby. Two less, we got to worry about. You understand? Keep up the good work. Louis Farrakhan will be the next president. Yeah. Snoop Dogg, we know you're innocent. You called me last night. You understand? Get ready, smoking Bound, because we're going to set this place on fire. Don Kernoodle. And it's a lights out cage match, flag versus flag, the proud of the USA, Don Cronuto and Ivan Koloff. Fellow Americans, I appreciate your support, sir, your support, and you've asked for a cage match. Well, here it is tomorrow in the Greensboro Coliseum. Koloff, you know it all started in a cage right here. I'm going to take you, I'm going to run your old head all over this thing, and I'm going to beat you once and for all right there in the Greensboro Coliseum for all my fellow Americans. You know, I understand that Russia's a little hot at you because you're not getting the job done. Well, let me tell you something, tomorrow in the Greensboro Coliseum, I'm going to win the flag and the match, and you're going back to Russia. Super Genie. Clear the ring, boys. This Saturday, July 20th in Hollywood, Florida for Battling Bombshells, I'm part of a fatal four-way. And you little Tinkerbell chicks, if I can beat up guys like that, what do you think I'm going to do to you? Melissa Coates. The Patriot, Del Wilkes. Wrestling fans, I am here with the man in red, white, and blue that has all of the wrestling world talking. He's called the Patriot, and everybody's wanting to know who he is, where he's from, where did this body come from. But, Patriot, I understand that for some reason you have decided to keep your identity hidden. Well, I certainly have, but as far as where I come from, I'm not going to keep that hidden. I come from everywhere, Joe. I'm all over this country, and it's more than just a tangible object. It's more than just something you can reach out and touch. It's also a spirit a spirit of pride and a spirit of patriotism that I represent the American people. Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff. You see, Hulk Hogan, the difference between you and I is that I'll do anything at any cost to get something I want. I'll even sell my own family down the river for one reason. And that's how world's anyway felt. You see something, I left you laying right in the middle of the rain. Right then I left you because you thought that I was your friend. <laughs> friend, you're really dumb, dumb. Because Hulk Hogan, I've got you running wild right now. You're on the razor's at the point of no return. Sooner or later, Hogan, you're gonna have to be man enough to sign your name to a contract. And that I'm going to be the champion. Super Porky. The Assassin, Jody Hamilton. The most important match ever in my career, and certainly the most important match in the career of Dusty Rhodes. The most important match in the history of professional wrestling. The Assassin number one, myself. Claim it to the world's heavyweight title against Dusty Rhodes. The winner of that match will walk out undoubtedly the undisputed heavyweight champion of the entire world. 
dusty roads, I could promise you one thing. I'm not taking you lightly. I didn't have this belt made to lose. I had this belt made to add to the one that you currently wear. And I swear, I swear that I'll die in that ring before I lose to you or to anyone else. Beautiful Bobby Eaton. Okay, Z-Man, you got four more days to polish up, shout up that world TV title. Because Wednesday night, the Clash of Champions, you're going to walk to the ring with a belt, have all your pictures made, because when you leave, you're going to go back empty-handed because I'm going to have the world TV title. I would like to personally, on behalf of all of our wrestling fans, congratulate you on winning back the world... Dominic DiNucci. Heavyweight title from Ray Stevens. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I want to try to keep it for a long time. I want to try to do the best I can. I promise the people one day I got my bell back, so this thing happens. You never know, because Stevens is a washy, tough, tough cookie to beat. But I was lucky, so I got my bell back. Well, I would say it was a lot more than luck. I want to ask you one question. There were many, many people wondered why Ray Stevens didn't defend his title against you. Will you defend your title against all comers, Don? Yes, I do. You will? Anyone. I think I'm in good shape. I'm going to take anyone, any man, to offer me to rest for the time I'm there. Daphne. You're telling me. You are acting like a big baby. You tore all the head off my Barbie dolls and you peed in my suitcase. He did what? You know, it's quite obvious. I thought it was mine. I am the cruiserweight champion. I'm the one who pinned that skank. So why don't you come on out here and we'll settle this like two reasonable, mature adults. Ryan Sakoda. My thoughts? Let me tell you something. I've been gone for UPW for nine months. Nine months. And Snooker thinks that I'm a tag team with him? Why in the world would I tag up with Snooker when I'm main eventing in Japan with Otani and Tanaka? Reggie Parks. We're making belts for just about all the organizations. But I made belts for WWF for about 10 years. And then from there we went on to uh, the Ultimate Fighting People. UFC, been doing their belts for about six, seven years now, and we've got a whole bunch of spin-off groups that come out of the woodwork every few weeks, and we have to make belts for them. Angelo King Kong Mosca. Now, let's bring in Angelo King Kong Mosca, and Ange, you've got your hands full this coming Monday. I just hope I can satisfy Sergeant Slaughter. This is six days before the Armistice Treaty was signed. But this treaty is not going to be signed because the war still goes on. I think she's been running all over North America, just annihilating people, but not to their face. You've got to look me right in the eye, I ain't she. Remember, I'm the man who walks and talks and does exactly what he wants to do. Judy Bagwell. Michigan, I'm gonna whip your butt 
Reed. Blackjack Lanza. I've got an interesting match coming up. Baron Von Raschke. Baron Von Klink Raschke. You are out here shooting your mouth off about how devastating your claw hold is. Let me tell you something, Clink. I'll pit my Texas brain buster against your claw any day of the week. Because when you're down on your knees crying and whimpering in German, I won't know what you said, but I don't care. You will be a beaten man. Jimmy Rave. Oh, my God. I can see it now. Jimmy Rave, sitting right next to Prince Nana, jet plane to England. First class, baby, right? go, my friend. Davy Richards, apparently you don't understand. I'm the international superstar. I'm the Ring of Honor veteran. And in Liverpool, I'll be the one beating you in the middle of the ring. And if you people in England decide to throw toilet paper at me, they'll be hell to pay. Guaranteed. Corporal Kirshner. I hopefully can find the man here someplace. Corporal, you fit right in. I walked right by here. I didn't see you. Mean Gene, you won't see me here. This is what it's all about. This is my training ground. This is where I'm getting ready to do battle in the World Wrestling Federation. There's something I like to say to the people, though. I'm proud to be Corporal Kirchner. I'm proud to be an American. And I'm proud to be in the World Wrestling Federation. I thank you very much. Corporal Kirchner on his way to the World Wrestling Federation. I'd like to add one thing into this too, uh, staying on the somber note, while he's not dead by any means, I'd like to throw out a huge tribute as well to, uh, to Hacker. Mm. Uh, he's uh, doing well. Scotty O'Shea. Everybody know, knows by now, if you've been listening to this show, what he's been going through. His struggle is real. Uh, he has fought back from what could have been his death. So, uh, so thank you to the family. Thank you to everybody who gave that his charity show. Thank you to all the wrestlers who auctioned off like items for for his support. Man, it's uh, it's stuff like this that shows how great the wrestling community actually can be. You know, ninety nine percent of the time, uh, the wrestling community looks like a bunch of fucking assholes because they're always fighting over. Or WWE, AEW, bah, you're an idiot, you're a mark. Bah. But then at the end of the day, somebody like 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 Scotty O'Shea goes down and and we get together and say, here, this is for Curtis. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. a beautiful fucking thing. So we're still here hoping for the best for Curtis and uh and for, for, for the hundred percent recovery. And uh, like I said, I didn't want to link it in with with the deaths because this was not a death by any means, but it absolutely could have been, unfortunately, and it wasn't. And that's the whole point. So, so hacker, we can't wait to see you back.
Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. Here's hoping for a speedy recovery, a full recovery in the year 2022 for, for Mr. Hacker. We're at number two moment now, Mike. Yeah, buddy. And I figured why not, why not you and I do one? You know what? It's a great, it's a great idea that you and I do this together. And I'll tell you why. Because this kind of ties into our year together. This number two is the number two moment of the year for me or story of the year is the return of fans to professional wrestling slash the return of independent wrestling. Yeah, big, big, greatly missed the fans were this year. Through the pandemic, that's two things we, we didn't have. You know, WWE, AEW, didn't matter who you were, uh, they didn't have real fans in the in, in the audience. You had your Thunderdome over in WWE. You had, uh, a, you know, a bunch of wrestlers just kind of around the ring in AEW. They were doing the best they could, but it wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. As far as independent wrestling, especially local promotions, there was nothing at all. Um, you know, good on guys like Sean Gibson from Barry Wrestling for doing his best and doing the Ontario Cup and stuff like that. But again, it just wasn't the same. So to have everything come back and for fans like us to be able to be involved again was a huge thing. And you and I got our, our opportunity to, you know, starting back in September to start being involved in the Barry Wrestling shows. And uh, man, what an experience has been for us. Absolutely. And, and before I, I want to dive into that point a little bit more, I have a question for you. How do you feel that the companies did, uh, you know, without the fans? Do you feel like the Thunderdome worked uh, as best as it could? I think that was about the best you could do. Did you like the vibes that AEW was given off with the wrestlers around the ring? I, I like both. Yeah, I thought, um, I thought that I, both companies really made the best out of it. They, they did the best they could with what they had. WWE had the technology and had the uh, the means to do something like like the Thunderdome, and while it ended up kind of getting old and annoying, originally it was a great concept. Everybody mm. loved, whether you admit it or not, a lot most people loved the concept at first. And hell, everybody that I know, including myself, tried to at least try to jump on once. You know what I mean? And would help. I think a couple of our friends, uh, Steve Bourne. Bourne Steve Bourne was in there all the time. Steve Bourne was in there quite often, right? So we almost had to start calling him Vladimir the Super Fan there. <laughs> so, so it was a great way, especially for, it was a great thing for a lot of people who may not get the opportunity to go to WWE shows mm-hmm. to to be involved. One, it was one, a great. It was a great way to take something shitty like the pandemic and make it work for wwe i liked it a lot one thing i thought that both companies really did uh were forced to do and i thought they both did a great job with it was getting out of their comfort zone and trying new things Absolutely, and and you couldn't do these things with fans universe came into the cinematic universe came out there uh even as much as i wasn't a fan of it uh, at least most of the feud the bray wyatt randy orton feud had a lot of little fun tricks that you couldn't do with fans in attendance uh I got to tip my cap to both companies for for trying. I mean, AEW did the uh, what was it that stampede, stampede uh, match, uh, whatever it was stadium match. Yeah, yeah. You know, they would have never done that if it wasn't for the uh, for, for the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would have never gotten the grave the graveyard match or whatever it was the called. Match. You know, uh, I've done a lot of really cool things let, because of the pandemic. Let's uh, let's go to the the first big moment when fans came back. It's WrestleMania. 
It's the first show fans are back. It wasn't the return of fans, but it was a one-off at the time. And the momentum is coming. You can feel it. The excitement is in the air. The pyro goes off. WrestleMania begins. And we get a rain delay. Oh, how much of... I couldn't believe it. It was was horrible. I would love to have been a fly backstage. The only way to make that worse is if they, you know, would fire 25 people uh, two days later. Uh, uh, Ooh, that's a shoot. That's a shoot. <laughs> Oops. Oopsies. We're shooting. Uh, We're shooting poor, today. Poor, poor, poor Samoan Joe. Can, yeah. Can, can you imagine his week? He stood outside in the rain for hours and then got fired like three days later. Um, but yeah, so that, that's like, and then, and then your other moment when the fans actually came back and then Vince McMahon ruins it on SmackDown by going, Where the hell were you? Yeah, the timing was off on that too. Like Vince took the first pop back. Um, oh. Oops, I just poured ginger ale all over my microphone. Great. Well, that's why you don't drink and record podcasts, folks. Um, I thought the fans came back at a great time, though. Uh, they came back just in time for CM Punk to be back. Uh, they made that moment. They came back just in time for SummerSlam with uh, you know, you know who took full advantage of the uh, of the of the fans coming back to uh, as well, though. Who's that? Chris Jericho. Yeah. Chris Jericho knew that he had something going on during the, the pandemic. And then he knew also, okay, it's going to be time for me to step back and let these other guys do shit. But before that happens, let's get an entire stadium of people to sing my fucking theme song. That was probably the entrance of the year, right? And, and one of the, and it, and it was one of the first shows back. Like it, the fans hadn't been back very long when that happened. Yeah, only a couple of weeks. Well, what, what, a, what a great thing for if if you're a fan of professional wrestling, it doesn't matter what you know, if you like AEW or WWE or whatever, if you are a fan of, of, of professional wrestling, you get to go to a show for the first time in two fucking years and you get to sing along with what I think is one of the worst theme songs in human history. Oh, uh, you're out to lunch. But <laughs> I hate Fozzie so much. I'm not a huge but, fan of Fozzie. I really like Judas, so I do think it's a good song. It's it's very catchy and it's gotten to me. It really has. It's very catchy. But you know, if it came up on my fucking iPad, I'd I'd fucking I I'd skip it. It's in my rotation and it's a car blaster for me. <laughs> uh but but yeah, the uh the return of fans and hope to God they don't have to go away again. We are going back into a, a, a pretty bad section of the pandemic right now. Yeah. Uh, things are starting to go backwards. I don't, doesn't, I don't know where you live in listener land there here in Ontario. We're starting to go backwards a little bit out in the, out in, uh, the UK. They're, they're going backwards big time. So hopefully we don't have to see the disappearance of fans again. It's bad enough. We are, we're already going to get another fucking two-day wrestlemania i don't want a two-day wrestlemania with no fucking fans yeah i i hope and you know just stay safe everybody you know that, that's that's the big thing stay safe even bigger now, than but before we move on from this i want to know from you if, if this warrants being my number two i think i think the return of fans is an extremely important part of this year I'm going to, I'm going to say yes, um, because of the way that you're doing your list this year, you're not doing the best moments of the year. You're doing the top stories of the year. You know, um, if you're doing the best moments of the year, you know, you wouldn't have ring of honor on your list going out of business, but that's a big story. To me, this is not a moment. Yeah. 
this is so if i was doing moments i couldn't talk about this because this was there is no one moment that to, to encapsulate the fans coming back yeah this if is just was, a big story if it was with the fans going where the fuck were you, where <laughs> you, guys, yeah. you i love him did you hear the story about vince wanted to fight michael cole no I, I'll I'll sidebar this real quick before we uh, before we move on. But uh, Michael Cole was on commentary with JBL, I believe. I think Booker T told this story, and they were talking about uh, Deuce and Domino, and the, it was yeah. Snooker Snooker Son. And yeah. I guess I guess um, Michael Cole missed Vince saying he he thought Vince was saying, "I want oh we got a run in by the kitty." I love it. Last, last time you had a run in by the kitty, you got punched in the face. That's true. Um. Uh, Vin, Vince was like, I don't want you guys saying that he snuck a son. You can't live up to that, blah, 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 blah. But I guess he had changed his mind a couple of times. So Michael Cole had it written in his notes, like, mention this. And Michael Cole mentioned it. And JBL is on commentary just sitting there and Vince is going, I can't believe you just said that. He's like, I'm going to fight you. I'm going to fight you, Michael. It's like, no, I'm going to fire you. No. I'm going to fight you. Then I'm going to fire you. Like Vince was going crazy. And then like he got control of himself and guess got back in the earpiece and was like, okay, sorry. Sorry, Michael. I, I forgot that uh, you thought I was, you were supposed to say that. I guess I kind of lost control a little bit there. <laughs> Can you imagine doing commentary? And- <laughs> I love- I, I'm more impressed with JBO for holding his fucking shit together. I think he had I the mute button hidden. I would just lose it. Hmm. My God. Oh, that's so good. But yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I'm happy the fans are back. I, I agree with you. I think that it's a great moment of the year. Like, I, I don't really know how to talk about it because, like, it's it's not like one defiant thing. But like, yeah. it, you like professional wrestling fans are so important to wrestling. And I know I like to rag on wrestling fans and stop bitching and enjoy wrestling. But you know, wrestling fans take a a, a good match and make it great when they get into the yeah. right you know what i mean they just have that yeah. specialness and the talent reacts yeah, we, to it we talked about this before you know can you imagine that nick, nick gage macarnona match without without the uh the fans it'd be terrible for everybody it's not the same yeah i agree i agree with you you got anything else you want to talk about the number two no brother all right well um there's no I point can't to th- wait for my number one well there's no point to throw it back to ourselves for another segment we might as well just keep talking right number well, are two we gonna, are, are we gonna do our, our wrestler of the year before our number one yeah okay let's just roll right into wrestler of the year there's no point okay, for me to go cool. great number two mike let's throw it back to mike and tyler i think i'm gonna surprise you big time with my number no i'm not wrestler. I'm, so I'm back i'm very back and forth do you want me to go first sure because i don't think no anyone's gonna be surprised with yours <sighs> I don't know. I, I'm going to give my honorable mention to American Dragon. I thought... Uh, Whoa! I thought for sure he was your number one. Didn't wrestle enough to get it, man. He tore the house down at WrestleMania in that main event, but he was I mean, gone. He's, he's, he's had 30 matches this year. Yeah, but he was gone for the majority of the year, and the matches that he has have, I'll put against anybody's matches this year, but I just... He just wasn't there enough for me to give him wrestler of the year. Um... Deanna Perrazzo is a is an honorable mention for yeah. me as well. She had a great year in Impact <laughs> Wrestling. Um, Deanna Perrazzo is like in my top three for wrestler of the year, hundred percent. My number one and two are so neck and neck, razor thin. Um, 
you know, and I, I'm just going to say what they both are at the moment. And I'll tell you who I'm going to give the nod to. It's going to be between Kenny Omega and Roman Reigns. Okay. Um, and for two different reasons, like Roman is just hitting a home run on all cylinders right now. Yeah. Uh, I love his storyline. Are you, are you caught up on what's going on on SmackDown with him? How he just fired Not Paul Heyman? Not at the moment. I, so, I did know. I did hear that he fired Paul Heyman. Yeah, that, great. Uh, just great stuff. This Brock feud has, has been really good. He had the great feud with Edge. Just all year, he's been fantastic. Is are, is he still feuding with Brock? Because every time I see yeah. a meme or anything, I see Brock and, and Sami Zayn doing. Yeah, they've that. they've done a couple weeks of comedy, and and now Brock oh. and Roman are fighting at the next pay per view. Oh, I see. Okay, but I'm going to give the slight nod to Kenny Omega this year. So Kenny's got your number one. Kenny's going to get my number one. It I was, figured if it wasn't Dragon, it was going to be Kenny. So I'm it was surprised. it was really tough. Like I, I, I just think Kenny did more to get the wrestling world interested in wrestling again. The jumping back and forth between major promotions, holding three world titles simultaneously—you can't turn your back on all that. He drew huge numbers everywhere he went. Big ratings for Impact. Great matches with Rick Swan. Great match with Christian for the title. Uh, you know, he had that great match in AAA with Leto Leopard Kid or Let. I don't know. I can't pronounce his name, but Laredo Kid. Laredo Kid. Thank you. Uh, I watched that match. It was fantastic. And I, nothing gets me to watch AAA. I just, I don't get the product. So, you know what I mean? But I watched that match. It was so good. His stuff in Impact was great. His stuff in AEW was great. He had great matches with everybody. He had the wrestling world talking. And him and Don well, Callis well, were a home run. Devil's advocate for a minute, if you're going to go down that that road. Okay. Um, I think the same could be said about Roman Reigns. Where, yes, you're right. Kenny got people involved. You know, interested in, in, in what's going on in in wrestling. But Roman Reigns was the only thing keeping anybody watching a almost unbearably unwatchable product in WWE. Yes. People people know how shitty WWE's product has been for the last two years. And why did they tune into SmackDown every, uh, every week this year? It was because of Roman Reigns. Yeah. I I would say Roman and and Edge and Seth I'm not saying you're wrong to go with Kenny because I don't think you are. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Yeah, no, I, I like I said, it was literally like flip a coin. I went back and forth for weeks on this Roman Kenny. I went back and forth, back and forth. I just thought Kenny had more bigger and better matches than Roman, and holding three world titles and, and three major companies is something that I just couldn't look past. Right, I got you. Um, I'll start off with some honorable mentions. One being just like you, uh, the American Dragon. Yeah. Uh, even as a guy who doesn't watch AEW, that doesn't mean I haven't been poking my head in just to see Dragon's matches. You know, even a, even a match like Dragon versus Cole Cabana was enough to me like, oh, yeah, you know what I mean? He's got this heel persona going now. He's, he's yeah. Hitting. So uh, I think 2022 is his year to blow. Yeah, I, I really agree. Do. I agree. Um, another one will mention for me, and this is going to surprise anybody, but I got to give a nod to Nick Gage. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you, you know, I we all know he's not he's not a great wrestler, but he's a great performer. He's a great character. He's great for what he's been doing, and he did a great job. He and Brett Lauderdale did a great job of putting his name out there 
right in the center for you to see them. Yeah, there was that one month period there where Nick Gage was the hottest thing in wrestling. 100%. And that's all thanks to GCW, uh, Dark Side of the Ring, and Sony Khan, and Chris yeah. Jericho. Yeah. You know, it, it, it all it all came about, and uh, you know, and then and then Moxley got involved, and Gargona got involved. I just I think so they followed so many variables to make it happen, but it was Nick Gage. He 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 was the star in that man. And as you heard in our conversation with Lenny Leonard a little earlier on the show, I think they pulled the trigger too early and ended that Cardona Gage feud. I do too. But uh, Len, do. Lenny had a great I take do. on it. So don't get me wrong, I've been loving his feud with Effie. But they, there was a lot of gas left in the tank for his his Nick Cage feud. Mm-hmm. Um, another an, another honorable mention for uh, for me would be uh, would be Josh Alexander. Mm. Sorry, I should have had him on my list. That was sloppy on my part. And then my second honorable mention, and and he came just like you. He came so close to being my number one is Roman Reigns. Uh, Roman Reigns is one of the best. Uh, actually, sorry, 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 sorry. He's not my number two. I can't believe I'm saying this, but Roman Reigns is an honorable mention for me. My number two, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, is Matt Cardona. Yeah. Matt what Cardona you... had a hell of a fucking year. Big time. My, I, he made a guy like me who hated Zack Ryder for over 10 years into a Matt Cardona fan. I loved what Cardona did and i hope our friend rory fox is not listening i'm sorry rory i'm sorry but matt cardona had a hell of a fucking year and i'm so proud of what he did he you want to talk about getting yourself over you know you know people talk about the bucks and and other guys like that ryder's been doing it forever he's been doing this he he's the king of getting himself over Mm -hmm. and he did it while in wwe and he's been doing it since leaving WWE, he's, he there's there's nobody better than he is the, at, re, at, at, at getting that product out in the most unique way possible. The highest compliment I can give him is um, he's got the Matt Hardy syndrome, where he's so good at reinventing himself and making himself the talk yeah. of the wrestling world. Hundred percent, he, and he's almost as good at reinventing himself as, as Chris Jericho is. Mm-hmm. Brings in my number one. I'm my dying wrestler, here. My wrestler of the year. I could have gone two ways. I could have gone if I was going to go character development. Matt Cardona would have been my number one. Yeah, but I'm going to focus on in ring, and who had my favorite matches of the year. Oh, okay. I know how you're going here. And I'm going with the octopus. Yeah, that's fair. Jonathan Gresham single handedly made it made the 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 pure division something to watch this year. He made guys like Tracy Williams, Josh Woods, uh, uh, Rhett Titus. He made these these guys into names this year. But he did that. The foundation did that. And then he went on to become the the possibly fi- final ROH champion. Uh, it's starting his new promotion year. coming up soon. He's starting this this terminus promotion. He did a lot for ROH this year. He was Mr. ROH this year. 100%. He was Mr. ROH and I give him my favorite wrestler of 2021. I can't argue that either, man. He had a great year. He really did. Well, I wonder if I can argue what your number one moment of the year is. Because we're here. Man. And uh, I can't believe I'm talking about this. 
for so many reasons. Number one, I'm talking about a guy who I'm not even a fan of. Well, hold on. You're gonna spoil it. You're gonna you gonna let the cat out of the bag right now, or are we gonna? What do you, what do you want to do? I want to throw to the the interview, and then we can talk about it after. All right, all right. And uh, we're keeping another tradition alive. Of uh, not only do you not get to talk to Bronwyn Billington, who is our yeah. special guest for the number one moment of the year, my my very co- close personal friend Bronwyn Billington, who. Yeah. Uh, I think uh-huh. the world of she's a fantastic human being. You, uh, you, 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 you mean you mean uh, part of the roster of ML of uh, Maple Leaf Pro? Brown that Maple is correct. That is correct. Yeah. She is a great. Does manager. she know that you didn't even draft her? I drafted her. Does she know that? We don't need Just to talk so. about that. All right. What, are, we, what, are, what yeah. are you talking about here? What? Are, uh, no. I, I, what? I, what? Um, <laughs> um, we're also keeping the tradition alive of you not being invited to the number one moment of the year for the second year in a row. Last year, me and Jonah did the number one moment of the year. And uh, right. this year it's just Brown and I, you're not even invited to your own number one. Uh, well, well, you, you are, you are a big number two. So let's, uh, let, let's roll on into the number one. I'm number two. Cause I'm the shit. All right. And now, Oh, there's no better segue than throw to the one and only wrestling royalty herself, Bronwyn Billington, with Mike's number one moment of the list. The dynamite doll. So we are at the moment, the big moment. It's a two-part show. We're in part two here. The number one moment of the year, as counted down by Mike. And I decided to be a little bit of an asshole and didn't invite Mike for the moment. We had to upgrade. We had to upgrade this week. Uh, we brought back one of our favorite guests of the year, one of our most popular guests of the year, someone that I'm very proud to call a friend now, uh, wrestling royalty, the one and only Bronwyn Billington. Bronwyn, how are you? Doing pretty well. Thanks for having me back. Oh, we're so happy to have you back. Your interview that we did with you last year, um, well, I guess earlier this year, we're not quite in the new year yet, is one of the most popular that we've done. Everybody loved hearing your stories and uh, maybe we'll twist your arm and get a little bit more out of you tonight. Absolutely. I really enjoyed being on your show, so I definitely will be here again. Awesome. Yeah, you are open invitation anytime. You are a friend of the show. Uh, I'm happy that we've gotten to know each other, um, and I I can't wait for for this conversation. It's going to be a lot of fun. So before we get into the number one moment of the year, which we're going to keep you listeners in suspense a little bit more, I want to talk a little bit about you. Uh, The year 2021 is coming to an end. Um, from a professional wrestling standpoint, what have been some of your favorite things, either that you've done yourself or that you've watched on TV? What are some of your highlights of the year? Well, I think during the pandemic, um, I had time to tune in every Wednesday with AEW and Dynamite. So that was a huge part of my life at uh, the beginning of the pandemic. And so half the year I didn't work. Like I was on maternity leave when it first started. So, uh, yeah, I was like every Wednesday sitting down, you know, able to keep up. And then the, the last, since about October, it's been harder to keep up with kids and stuff like that. Mm. But um, yeah, keeping yeah, up as much as I can. And, but for myself, um, Dark Side of the Ring was a really big part of my year, uh, filming that for my dad's episode and just kind of getting his official Instagram page going and yeah, just getting involved in wrestling in different ways instead of like the actual shows, but mm-hmm. my dad's legacy alive in different ways. Just yeah, I, I want to talk that. about that. I want to talk about that Instagram page in a second because you do such a fantastic job with it. Uh, you know, Dark Side of the Ring, I think that your dad's episode was one of the better received episodes of the year. 
I thought I they did too. a good job of, of telling the story. I don't think that they were too harsh on them. I think they were pretty, pretty good overall compared to some of the other episodes that were out there. The last time we talked, it was right after it had aired. Now that we're, we're looking back a few months later, you've had time to process everything. How do you feel? Are you happy with the final product? Are you, um, have you gotten lots of support and, and, and reactions from the wrestling community on it? Yeah, uh, I'm really happy with it. After seeing like the full season, I do think my dad's was one of the better episodes. And I think, you know, we had a lot of contact with the producers emailing and, you know, letting them know how we wanted it to, to come across. So I think them really getting to know us as people like my mom, my sister and I really helped them understand the message that we wanted to get across. And then uh, they wanted to do a really good job of it. And I think that they did. So that was really awesome. I've had lots of people reaching out to me, um, giving support, saying, you know, how brave we were and how inspiring our story was, like strangers, fans. Uh, Chris Jericho and I are now friends and uh, in touch through doing that episode. So, uh, yeah, lots of support from the community. Oh, that's so awesome. I love Chris. Uh, Chris, I know you're listening to this, obviously. So, you know, yeah, I love up over here, count it out. Okay. <laughs> um, and Judas is in my head all the time as well. All right. All right. It's so good. What a great entrance. And, and it's you know, the best. I, can't uh, wait I think to see that live. Oh, I know. I can't wait uh, for AEW to finally get over into Canada, either out in your end in Calgary, down in our end in Toronto. I don't care where it is. We, we're ready for them over here. Uh, you know, we talk about great moments of the year. What a great moment when uh, Jericho and MJF and, and the crowd had to sing Judas for him. So how cool is that? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. AEW is definitely firing all cylinders here. Uh, something else I kind of want to talk about before I want to get into your Instagram page there. Uh, I'm, I'm wearing a suck up jersey today. We have the, uh, the Calgary Hitman jersey on here. Um, Mr. Bret Hart just recently got inducted into the Canadian Walk of Fame. How cool is that for you and the family? I know you and Brett were really cool, uh, are really close. Sorry. Uh, how cool is that to, to see your uncle get honored in just such a way like that? It's so cool. I mean, yeah, I can't wait for it to happen. Uh, I don't know when that's actually going down, but. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's, I, I know it's either just think, happened or it, it's yeah. like really soon. I to think happen. it's right away because I do remember someone, I think it was my cousin was saying it's going to be cold. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's down here in Toronto. I think that they're doing that as well. So yeah. Uh, very cool. And well-deserved. Yeah. Long overdue. Right. Like he's a, he's a Canadian icon. Yeah. And I know that Chris Jericho was also uh, interviewed for that. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. That's the perfect guy for that. Um, let's spin a little bit here before we get into the number one moment. I got to talk about this amazing Instagram page that you're running right now to keep your father's legacy alive. Um, as we're recording this today, I know it's a bit of a tough day. It's the anniversary of the passing of your father and his birthday. Um, I've been following your Instagram for months, obviously, but, but especially today, the outpour, the love that is coming in, uh, that's got to make you feel great. And, and how are you feeling just running this page and, and finding all these old pictures and sharing them with everybody? The feedback must be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for honoring my dad today. I'm representing wearing the Adidas today in the Dynamite Kid Toque. So I love it. Yeah, happy birthday, dad. And it's been three years since he's been gone. Um, but yeah, having the Instagram page is really helping me feel close to him or, you know, and just remember him in a positive way. So I don't have to feel sad so I can mm. post happy photos every day and yeah, cool, unique photos that people haven't seen. Um, yeah, it's awesome. I'm really enjoying it. So I started it up after dark side shortly after that, because 
I felt a little sad after like the episode was great, but then I had this sadness of like, okay, well now I miss him. Yeah. And you know, his life did end kind of sad. So I had this feeling of sadness and what can I do to turn that around? So I started up the Instagram page and it's just made me feel positive every day. And like, I'm, you know, he's watching me do it and I'm keeping his legacy alive and just hopefully making him proud. Oh, I guarantee you, he would be so proud of it um, from, from a fan standpoint, because I've always been a, your dad's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time at uh, just seeing some of the pictures that you're posting, or I think a couple of weeks ago or a couple of days ago, you, you put a picture of his um, trophy from the world tag league in all Japan. And, and that got me down a rabbit hole. Cause then I'm like, wow, like I, I went and looked up all Japan world tag league and I watched some nice. matches from it and it, it's fantastic. So yeah. mission accomplished. You're hitting a home run with it. Yes. Keep up the and great I have work. a lot of support too. Like sometimes I don't know those fine details, um but i can show certain fans like hey where was this like what year was this and they know because they like you know they just have it down they're like wrestling historians or especially of dynamite kids so Mm. thank you to all my fans out there my dad's fans you know who you are that helped me (laughs) yeah that's fantastic i love the support i love seeing the pictures keep up the great work on it um you know and even on day like today i've been following twitter lots of uh positive comments i saw davy richards sent a great tweet out uh, oh, honoring your dad yeah. today yeah just saying how influential he was and it's fantastic and it's something that I hope that you are as proud of as we are as fans of just all the great stuff that your dad did in the ring I am thank you very much and I'm telling you right now you have to come on to our other show with Anthony classic match classroom because we got to talk about your dad and tiger mask on there young Absolutely. Anthony has never seen any of the matches we're gonna blow his friggin' mind away. really <laughs> yeah he's a he's a younger kid he's 19 and he's he's a very passionate fan just like myself he's got a great knowledge but he's never seen the matches he's he's read about them he's he knows all about them but he's never seen the these okay. big matches so it's a lot of yeah. fun and yeah. we'll have to have you blow his mind and, yeah we're gonna have to educate him for sure because those matches surpass the test of time even to this day mm-hmm. so I think it's time we stop the suspense i think it's time that we got to get into the number one moment of the year on mike's countdown here um this moment i think it's fitting that you're here for it because i know that you're a big fan of aew and this event happened on aew dynamite what a little segue there right uh we of course are talking about the return of cm punk to the world of professional wrestling specifically that moment in chicago when he made his first appearance what do you remember about that moment? Because to me, I think I agree with Mike and I don't do that a lot. We like to, we have very different views, but Mike hit a home run on this one. I think this was the best moment of the year. Yeah, it was. Um, unfortunately, I didn't watch it live. I did watch it that night, but our like PVR wasn't recording. Having kids, I always have to watch things later. So 100%. Uh, and then, yeah, there something messed up with our PVR. So all of a sudden it's on YouTube. So I had to watch it on YouTube, but regardless um I got goosebumps I was like wow and wrestling was exciting again Mm -hmm. Uh, everyone was waiting and you know suspecting that he was coming back and I kind of don't like to listen to those because you just never know if it's true or not so I'm like I'll believe it when I see it type thing so yeah it's in Chicago that night and of course I'm like it's got to be tonight yeah and yeah his music hits and I just had goosebumps and it was like holy crap, this is exciting. This is huge. Yeah. You know, we've, we've been waiting it for seven years. You know, you've gotten those like little BS teases on WWE yeah. TV where they played his music before. I really liked the way that they brought him back though. It was like everybody knew it was going to happen and, and the rumors were there, but they didn't come right out and say CM Punk is coming. 
but yeah. they didn't like, but, it, but everyone still knew. So they didn't miss out on that rating either. Like I just thought it was really genius the way that they created that buzz. You know, I think punk was very strategic in doing interviews leading up to that debut where he was downplaying it, but still having his name out there at the same time. I thought it was a different approach and it's something that I like instead of just here are the lights out here comes yeah. insert wrestler here. I, I like that. I miss the, the build to people coming up. So yeah. And the crowd, like how long they were cheering for. Oh. I don't think I've ever heard a crowd like that before. Yeah. You know, and you see uh, the close-ups of people crying in the crowd, yeah. like CM Punk is something special, mm-hmm. you know, like he he's got this connection with people that unspoken it factor, if you will. Um, that moment when he jumped out in the crowd, I just thought was so beautiful. Like it, it's so good. And you could see how, special it was for him it's almost like you could watch him fall in love with the business again yeah and um what was i gonna say about that oh how he just did it right yeah like you know a lot of people retire and then they're there for the next pay-per-view or the next wrestlemania or you know i think it was so exciting because he really did take that time off and we really didn't know if he was going to come back Mm -hmm. it was a long period of time so yeah, it, it almost reminds me of um, of Brett when Brett left the WWF for a long time and, and you know, everyone wanted to come back and you never knew if he was going to come back. I, I find a lot of similarities between between Brunk, uh, Punk and Brett. Yeah, I think they're good friends, too. So, I, well, I think he really admires Brett. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what he was going for. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the follow up here. So, you know, the big angle, uh, I thought it was really great that the first thing that came out of his mouth after seven years was putting over Britt Baker. I thought that was so cool. Like he's already helping people. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people, some people slammed his promo thinking, oh, he's bashing WWE by not talking about them. I didn't see it that way. I thought it was just him getting back to his roots. Immediately they put him with Darby Allen. You think that was the right guy to put him with in hindsight now? Yeah, I think that CM Punk is kind of doing like what Jericho's doing where they're helping the younger guys. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really cool. And so, you know, he saw something in Darby Allen and uh, a lot of these other guys but maybe something similar to himself or a young CM Punk. And so he wanted to wrestle with him and yeah, I think it was awesome. And yeah, I like how he's just taking his time. I, I like how they didn't just put him in the title picture. You know, he's like, it's like, he's yeah. working off the rust, you know, and, and that's the story they're telling. Um, I get upset with the internet wrestling community. You know, we finally get CM Punk back and then he fights Darby Allen. Oh my God, he's wearing pants. Why is he wearing pants? Come on, guys. Yeah. She, like, who cares? He's older now. Like, I think he looks incredible. Like, he looks great. Yeah, he's like the best shape of his life. For him, he's, you know. he's been hitting a home run inside the ring. Him and Darby tore the house down and uh, all in. Uh, him and Eddie Kingston just had a great match. And now we're finally getting, I think, what Punk needs right now. I think it's been great. We've gotten the return. Let's all come out. I missed you. I think it was perfect. Let us cheer for you for a little while. But now we're going to get something that he can really sink his teeth into. Uh, as we're recording this, we're only a couple weeks into it, but him and MJF, have you had a chance to see their their promo war at all? Yes, that was like a 20-minute promo last week. And I'm a huge MJF fan as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I think his promo was better than CM Punk's. But so do I. I'm with okay. you on that. I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, but he's just so good. Like, he's as good as The Rock on the mic, so. It's crazy, like, how young MJF is. Um, And I think that MJF with Jericho, I think Jericho really helped season him on the microphone because MJF has always been great on the microphone. I actually got to see him work an indie show before AEW started. I had no idea who he was. I I hadn't gone to an indie show in a while, and and something stuck out about him there. You know what I mean? You're like, that guy's special. But I think he had that kind of indie type of, you know, swearing cheap heat type of 
promos. But I think yeah. after Jericho's kind of had him for the better part of the year, I think that yeah. his promos are totally different now. He's still yeah. that, you know, that annoying asshole, the chicken shit heel, but he's lost that, you know, swearing shock value gasping thing. And now his points yeah. are just like zingers, you know, like, Oh yeah. So They're I think punks, really yeah, good. punk's got to step <laughs> up his game here. You know um, I give round one to MJF. I'm with you. I, I, you know, punk made the triple H joke. That's old news. Now that was like 10 years ago, joke. You know, I'm, uh, the, the Miz comment I thought was pretty funny. I like that one by Punk. Uh, yeah. But I, I thought MJF took the win overall. I thought his points were better. I thought that yeah. uh, his delivery was better. And I'm excited to see because I know that these guys are going to bring the best out of each other. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. You think you put MJF over? Is he the guy that should beat Punk for the first time? Yes. I, I think so, too. Yeah. I think I think it's time. I think he needs the win. I, the, the loss won't hurt Punk. Pumpkin, he's indestructible. You know what I mean? He can, he's got the Chris Jericho syndrome right now, I think. Yeah. It's exciting. Can't wait to see it play out. Yeah, absolutely. So, are you in agreement with Mike? Do you think that this was the best moment in the year 2021? Yes. See that, Mike? Every now and then you hit a home run. Okay, buddy. Uh, Bromwell. Everyone was talking about it. It was all over social media. It was, you know, yeah, it was everywhere. We already didn't record. Well, it's okay because it's all over my social media, anyways. Well, and speaking of social media is here, uh, before we get wrapping up the segment uh, and before I, I get into the plugging, I, it's so great that your cat just walked in here because I swear to God, my next question was just going to be, it's our, our general love of cats. I don't know where mine is. Usually right before I start recording, my cat comes into the room and takes a big poop. So I have to smell <laughs> her. That's like our routine now, but uh, yeah. Lucy's not here, but. Thanks uh, for stinking it up. Yeah, that's what she does. Uh, I have a love for cats. Lucy's a part of our show. I love that you have a love for your cats uh, following this you on Instagram. Chester. Chester, it is finally nice to see you He's in person. He's a proper British lad. Oh, what a handsome boy. It's <laughs> melting my heart right now. As soon as we're done recording this, I'm going to get some cat cuddles myself. Let the people know where they can find you, Bronwyn. Social media, yours, your dad's, anything you want to plug. Yeah, so I'm on Instagram. Um, it's Bronwyn Jewel. And then I run my dad's page at official Dynamite Kid. And then Twitter, Dynamite Doll 84. That's awesome. And of course, they, they can buy merchandise all over the place, right? Yeah. So we have pro wrestling tees running, um, mainly just t-shirts on there. And we started up Wrestle Merch Central, which is out of the UK, which is great for UK fans. So we have stuff like toques, mugs, oh. uh, hoodies, all kinds of things, t-shirts. Um, we're going to be making a bomber jacket right away here. Oh, nice. We're just yeah, coming up with the design. So stay tuned for that. That's an exclusive. Count it out exclusive. <laughs> well, I'm going to say, Bronwyn, that one of my highlights of the year 2021 has been getting to know you. I'm so glad that we have run into each other. Uh, your friendship has been very, very appreciated over this year. I look forward to continuing that into the new year and to all the success to you in the new year. Have a very happy holidays and thank you for joining us. Thank you. You too. You blew my mind, Mike. Yes. All right, let, 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 let's just, let's take this into two parts. Number one, if anybody told you that my number one, number one story of the year would involve CM Punk, you'd call them a liar. That's the right move, though. But number two, of course, of course, it's the right move. And, I, and even I have to admit that I made the list. Number two, though, if anybody would have told us a year ago, that we'd be talking about the return of punk as our number one story of the year, we'd laugh. Yeah. 
a year ago, the the idea of, of CM Punk coming back to wrestling was still a laughable thing. No fucking way. I didn't think he was no coming way. back. I really didn't think and, he was and, coming and, back. And to, and, to come, and to come back to AEW? No, bullshit. So and here we are, man. So question for you then, because, you know, the moment speaks for itself, and we've, we've talked about it till we're blue in the face. We've talked about it on our show. We've done Greatest CM Punk Moment Countdowns, which was in the archives. Go subscribe to our YouTube page. Find that out. Count it out seven. Uh, Bronwyn and I talked about it. We're on the we're on the feud with MJF right now and CM Punk. MJF, do you put MJF over Punk? You give him the first loss. Yeah, I. Or do you or do you uh, keep building Punk up to that main well, event level? I I I'm going to tell you something. Nothing is going to hurt MJF here, but beating MJF is going to hurt Punk. Yeah, and you I think you think the crowd will turn on Punk if he yes, keeps beating these guys? I do. The, the the fans love MJF. He is the future of this company. He's the future of professional wrestling right now. People are behind MJF. Yes. And, and they're booing him for the right reasons. They're booing the fucking of him because he's a great heel. But they are behind him. They want to see him succeed. If Punk comes out and beat if Punk comes out and beats him, it's gonna hurt Punk. Did you see Babyface MJF a couple weeks ago? Did you see any of that? MJ, they oh, were in, in Long Island. Yeah, and he came I out with a little bit. It was so fun to watch him, and he fully was Babyface, throwing himself against the crowd like the old school Jericho. Like, yeah. it was really fun. I'm really enjoying what the feud these guys what, are doing. I I loved it, even though he was playing the baby. His parents still fucking booed him. Which is <laughs> I love that yeah. so much. That was so um, good. What 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 I did enjoy. Uh, was the following week his return to to, to heal them? Yeah, his promo, his promo coming up the, the following week. Uh, because everybody, like I, I've talked about this, this big famous promo in Long Island between uh, Punk and uh, and, and MJF. Um, I think MJF did a phenomenal job. I think Punk's part of the promo was dog shit. Yeah, uh, we've talked about this several times. I think it was just lazy. I love the following promo when he comes out and he calls him out on it. Yeah. He's like, what do you have? You come out, the best you have is, oh, your sports team sucks. Fucking A. I thought that was good, too. I, I love that. MJ, MJF is, is slowly turning me around. I thought he was just, like, for years, I, I, I looked at him as nothing more than a lazy heel who, who relied, on, relied on cheap heat. Me, too. He's really becoming something I can I can get behind. I'm telling you, Mike, watch his match with Darby, and you will be turned fully. It's what got me. All right, I'm telling you. I know you're not going to watch it because I never watch anything you tell me to watch, and you never watch anything I tell you to watch. We're still waiting True. for you to watch Ric Flair versus Ronnie Garvin for fuck's sakes. No and bullshit. I, I no, that's bullshit. I ended up watching that, but I when? still haven't watched. But I still haven't watched the Bulldogs versus the uh, Malenkos. The Malenkos. Hold on. When did you watch Flair and Garvin? On my own, I I just forgot that it was the match I was supposed to watch. Oh, because we talked about that. All. Yeah, I know. I gave you shit about that earlier today. Today, I know. It's and, great. And I knew, but I knew we were recording it tonight, so it's going to rub it in your face when we record. Great match, right? Of course, it's a great match. It's Ronnie Garb. Tune in the class match classroom. Anthony and I recorded a whole, we did the whole build for that match. And then Ric Flair's dark side of the ring came out. So we decided not to air it because the whole thing is based around Ric Flair trying to bang uh, precious. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, oh, this might be not the great timing for that. <laughs> yeah. You did that the week of. Yeah. yeah. Something else. Um, 
So okay. what do you say? My, 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 my number one. My number one's where it should be. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think so as well. You know, before if I'm taking we get in, before we get into honorable mentions, what about the rest of my list? I think you did a pretty good job on the list. Um, I look at my list a little different. I I do like the top moments of the year. If you're doing stories of the year, then you nailed it. Um, I've got a couple that I thought were worth talking about that maybe one of them is just a pure Homer one for me. And it was, and I'll tell you right now, cause I'm going to forget is uh, Tully Blanchard's return to the ring. I know. I just, and, and you, you brought that up when we were discussing this list and it just wasn't, and you know me, I love, I love me Tully. He's the second best horseman of all fucking time. Uh, but, oh wow. I'm not getting fought yet. Yeah, That's because good. you're right. You are right. He is the second. Well, he's the third best, I guess, because Arn's number one. He's no, he's not. Arn Flair oh, Tully. No, Tully. After Rick, Tully is the greatest horseman of all time. Anyways, I love me Tully. I love me some Tully. My, one of my, you know, one of my favorite moments in, in life was Tully pushing me and, and telling me to get out of his way at. Uh, at a TNA pay-per-view, I did back pay-per-view. I got uh, to meet I Tully. Even... I got a picture with Tully holding up the four fingers him and I together. I love it. Tully, Tully is one of my favorite performers of all time. <laughs> uh, you know, to me, Tully is the forefather of Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you don't get a Shawn Michaels without without a Tully Blanchard. Tully Blanchard is was part of one of my favorite matches of all time against Magnum TA. I love Tully Blanchard. His return to the ring did nothing for me personally. He was so good, though. It just it just fell flat. It, I thought it was it, great. They had it, JJ it was, there. He had the old U.S. title. He had the robe. I just I that's like I'm a horseman. Mark, maybe so if I go back, maybe if I go back and revisit it, I was maybe just in a bad space to watch it because I was very not sold on the AEW product at the moment. Um, I'm not a fan of FTR at all. So. I don't know. Maybe if I go revisit it, but it was maybe it's just not. It wasn't what I wanted it to be. Being such a big Tully fan, there is one moment that I think um, should have been on your list that wasn't. Now I don't know what you would cut off your list because um, there's nothing to cut off. That's what it, like, like I don't know what you could tell me right now. They can cut anything off my list. I, Even I my number seven. My number seven was was Edging Christian. Yeah, that stays on for me. You tell me right now what's what's going to replace Edging Christian. Nothing, but I I might I might take off your Hangman Page moment and uh, and I might put on just the all out pay per view in general with the debut of Adam Cole, the debut of Danielson, uh, Suzuki. I just thought that that pay per view was something really special this year. I'd I'd have to think about that uh, for sure. Um, but I, I, other than that, I don't, but again, that hangman page moment was so good. Like, I don't know, man, that's a coin flip for me as well, but I, I can't argue with your list. There are a couple cool honorable mentions. What was the hardest thing for you to leave off your list this year? I truly don't remember. I, I'm not going to lie to you because I did the list so long ago. Fair. We've been working on, we've been working on this show for months. Yeah. This is a hard <laughs> show to put together. Well, I've, I've got a list. I've got a list of honorable mentions. You want me to run through some of the big moments? Yeah, I thought Obushi uh, yeah, at Wrestle Kingdom. He got crowned the double yeah. champion. Christian Blake, yeah. his out, his coming out party, the X cup, I thought was great. Um, how about the great Muda winning the GHC oh. Noah title? How yes, cool is that? Absolutely. How cool is that? And then, uh, we, and then we and then we have Muda coming out at, uh, at Wrestle Kingdom 16 uh, next year, right? Yeah, uh, I can't so wait to see big, that. Him, him and uh, Okada and Tanahashi oh, tag match. Yeah. 
amazing. Um, I, I actually, I actually do have a moment you didn't make my list. Yeah, what do you got? Uh, Suzuki's tour. Mm. Yeah, that could be a list moment for sure. I think by the time he was done his tour, we had finalized everything. But I, I could see that sliding into a spot on the list. Yeah, man, he he did. Uh, it was just such a good job. I think he did it properly. He picked the right people, the right promotions. Uh, he timed it out properly. He he was so nonstop about it. Uh, I I loved everything about it. It was great. Um, I got Bobby Lashley winning the world title. I thought that was a great moment when he beat the Miz. Yep. They put him over real strong. I really liked when Jungle Boy won the Casino Battle Royal. Uh, and mm-hmm. Just that great moment with the it was right when they first started using Tarzan Boy, and the crowd was really into it. I thought that was a really special moment. Yeah. Uh, what do we got here? I know you didn't like this, but uh, the the ten man tag between the Dark Order and uh, and the Elite, where they came out, where they came out with the basketball entrance and that cowboy entrance. Oh my God! I love the cowboy entrance. I thought both of them. Entrance, the basketball entrance was so hokey. I hated it. Yeah, but they used the Chicago Bull music, and like it made sense because they always do the Michael it Jordan was, reference with Kenny Omega, North Carolina. They, it was a fucking. They were trying to make money for Space for Space Jam too. Yeah, what a great way to do it. I thought it was so good. Um, <laughs> awesome Kong retiring was a big moment on the year. It was. I talked about oh, all out. Here's, here's one. Uh, both NWA and Impact throwing phenomenal all-female pay-per-views. Yeah, good call, good call. But yeah, I, for the most part, I'm I'm with you on your list, man. We had you know uh, what I would love to put on the list. Just I can't, I can't. Is Trevor Murdoch becoming NWA champion? Yeah, I'm not into that. But it's it sh- that that's that's my point. It should have been a great moment. Because Trevor Murdoch is that old hand. Trevor Murdoch is that guy who who represents the, you know, I mean, he got his name because he's people. He reminds people of Dick Murdoch. Mm. So he's supposed to be that old, that old hand that, that, you know, would represent everything NWA is about and to take it off. And Nick Eldis, who held it for like a thousand and some days, it should have been a big deal. And it wasn't. And that's sad to me. Yeah, fair. Fair. Those are my honorable mentions. I like your list this week, uh, this year, I should say. Uh, big thank you to all of our guests that joined us. We couldn't have done this without you. And uh, I do have a couple little thank yous I'd like to put out there before we, I know you have one more point you want to talk about before we bring it home. Um, but I, I just have some people that, that were really helpful along the year to us. Um, you know, obviously, thank you to our incredible team, Jay and Ty Rome who are fantastic that do the good friends, better enemy podcast that keep up the great work, boys. We love you. Um, I want to send a big thank you to Nick from the universal wrestling podcast. He's been awesome. Uh, Whether, you know, just an all around great guy to shoot the shit with. He's been on good friends. A lot of times he's helped us with a lot of um, logo designs and and graphic work as well. So got to give a big thanks to him. Uh, Check out his podcast, the universal wrestling podcast. He does great stuff. Uh, Got to say big thanks to James, uh, who's just rebranded his podcast from that 90s wrestling podcast to Primetime Conversations. Uh, I think he just uh, he's going to be launching in, in the new year. And his first guest is going to be Cone from Sum 41, which is a, a fun interview there. Weird. Yeah, he's going out, uh, not just wrestling anymore. He's doing everything. Cool. 
Yeah, and then of so. course, and then of course, she's got the Cafe de Rene, which Cafe is, de uh, Rene, yeah, doing great things, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, big thanks to James for being there for us this year as well. Of course, what we're talking about, uh, people, Jonah as well, always a big friend. Uh, hopefully, he gets back in the saddle, gets doing some recording again soon. We missed his show, Ryan Relivery Cap, but Jonah's been a big help uh, behind the scenes. You know, uh, always with great feedbacks, always with great um, helping with edits and all that stuff, and. Uh, they like to make fun of us because we're the old boys, but uh, they're all great helps for that. Anthony yeah. as well. Uh, he does uh, he does so much to help me out um, and class match classrooms a blast to do. So thank you to Anthony for everything you do, including the graphics for the show this week, because I don't know how to edit to save my life. Um, you got anybody you want to thank, Mike? Oh, yeah, man. I got a ton. Uh, I'll start off by thanking both our wonderful wives. Yes. Uh, Lauren and Victoria for being so, so patient with us and letting us do our thing and uh, not, uh, not giving us too much shit. Uh, so thank you to both, especially Victoria who uh, not only uh, puts up with our shit, but, but has been a real physical help in, in, during the show too. Mm. So, uh, you know, helps us figure out shit because we're old. She's watching um, the dog right now as we speak. Cause I was going to watch him, but then he ate her underwear and pissed on my couch. And that was the end of him. So. <laughs> Upstairs you go. Um, really want to thank Sean Gibson and the team at uh, at Barry Wrestling. Yeah, that was going to be my next uh, one. I want to thank uh, uh, Brian Curtis, Gilmy, all the guys over at the uh, OI. Uh, sorry, OIW. OIW. OW. OIW. Sorry, OIW. OIW Network. Those guys do a lot for us as far as helping spread the word and promoting the show and stuff like that. Uh, I want to give a huge shout out, a huge thank you to our boy Wilson. Yeah, uh, love always, Wilson. always fun to have it. Barry shows with us. Uh, I know he listens to the show, and of course our listeners, man. Uh, I, I, I could, I can't point them all out, but I do want to point out the ones that really go out of the way for us, guys like Rob. Of course, we talk about a lot on this show. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for your. 100% loyalty to the show. Steve Bourne, Adam Conton, Matt, uh, um, Jeff DeHan, Matt Sookram. Uh, I know I'm missing some. Kerr. There's so many people listening to the show. Kerr, uh, thank you so much, guys. Uh, uh, it means the world to us. And we know we're, we're getting more and more listens. I mean, every week we look at, uh, at our Spotify accounts and they're getting higher. We, we look at uh, our YouTube uh less than you're getting higher and higher you know who i want to thank too indirectly because he has no idea what he's done for us is nikita koloff yeah <laughs> thanks because, nikita yeah, because nikita koloff's videos on on our youtube page are the highest by far like you can't even touch them like we have a couple videos that are like one or two thousand and then nikita's video is at is currently at twenty eight thousand views so Nikita, you don't know what you've done for us, but thank you very much, man. We love you. Yeah, I want to send a thanks to um to um Holden Albright and to Corey Stone for and Sean Gibson. I know you said Sean already, but just for letting us live out one of my dreams and and getting a spot in a wrestling match, even though I didn't do anything except for get pushed in a wall and but they took our table, smashed it through. Uh, that was a personal highlight for me. I have a piece of that table cut up and and signed by them, and it's in my display case, framed and. That was a special moment for me and uh, just something I never thought I'd be a part of. So big thank you to those guys. And of course, lastly for me, uh, of course, every guest that we've had on the show this year, 
from from Bill after to Letty Leonard to Ian Riccoboni to like we've had so many Carrie great Silken. so many great people on the show this year. Can't even count them all. Um, it's been held a successful year, and to have you guys on here to give us credibility means a lot to us. Yeah, and last but not least, thanks to you, man. Living out another dream with you. I couldn't yeah, pick anybody. Maybe. Couldn't pick anybody better to do it than with you. So, um, well, I think that's a great segue. Uh, before we, we we say our goodbyes and wrap this up, that's a great segue to to, to go into. Let's just pick a few moments, man. What 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 are, what are the highlights of twenty twenty one for you? When it comes to this show, what what were your favorite moments of Counted well, Out 2021? Let's let's just not even waste any time and get to what both of our favorite moment of the year was. The and number was one, it's Bill After. A hundred percent, Bill After. The Bill After interview will was my favorite moment of this year. That was back in April. Um, it's my favorite moment that I've had in both my podcasting and personal life. Um, I met my hero, man. Yeah. Uh, I said this on the show with Bill, but I meant it when we were kids, all my friends wanted to be Hulk Hogan. I wanted to be Bill after mm-hmm. that was the, by far the best moment for me. I'm with you, Bill after someone I always looked up to and, and what a great guy and the stories he can tell. And and I think we're going to get Bill to come back on pretty soon. Oh, we're definitely have Bill soon enough uh, for but, me personally. Yeah, that's my number one for sure. Um, getting to do media for impact wrestling was real cool. We had Diener come yeah. on the show. That was at the beginning of the year. Of course, yeah. Nikita Koloff was this year, which was, which was really big for me. Um, there were a, a moment I was really proud of for you was your interview with Mike Herman. Yeah. Me and Adam jumping on with Mike Herman was, was definitely a, a, a highlight for me. Um, I wish the Wi-Fi didn't suck so much and that, uh, the quality was better. But the conversation itself was fantastic. Um, our interview with Ian Riccoboni is one of the highlights for me. Yeah, he was uh, cool. Riccoboni is one of the standouts of current Ring of Honor for me. So for, to talk to him was, was something really special. One of my favorite um, days that we had this year, Mike, was um, the, the day that we interviewed Carrie Silken. That was such a fun day. Uh, and I'll tell the guy, the listeners, the backstory is what a messed up day. Like, like, that, that day started so shitty and, and just turned into something so special. Yeah. We, um, Mike had messaged Carrie Silken probably three weeks prior. And, you know, these guys get a lot of messages. It's tough to see it. And, and it was a Monday night. I'll never forget it. And all of a sudden, I just check on Instagram and Carrie Silken has sent a message Hey, I'd love to come on your show. Great. Hey, Carrie, when do you want to set up? You want to set up, you know, maybe next week? Do you want to set something up tomorrow? He's like, how about tonight? How about in two hours? Now, we already have an interview set up for tonight. We were supposed to talk to Chris Harris that same night. Yeah. And so you don't say no to Carrie Silken. Mike, no. can't, Mike, uh, your wife was very gracious to let you out of date night. Uh, we sat down with Carrie. And I, then, wasn't even supposed, I wasn't even supposed to be on with Chris Harris. I yeah. promised my wife a night. And, and I said, hey, man, you're going to have to do Harris alone. And you're like, okay, cool. But then we found out about Carrie. Man, she, she was so cool about it. She didn't give me shit at all. She said, yeah, we'll just do it another night. I couldn't believe it, man. Uh, this is what I'm talking about before giving her thanks. She, she just, she's understanding when it comes to, she knows how important this shit is to me. She doesn't know who Carrie Silkin is. She doesn't care who, who Carrie Silkin is. But she could tell by the way I talked about him that he was a big deal to me yeah and if he's a big deal to me that means something to her which is amazing uh 
it just proves to me that I, I picked right when, when it came to, to, you know, I lucked out as a, as they would say, when it comes to the, 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 the dating pool. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then but, we did not uh, luck out on our Wi-Fi, my Wi-Fi that night as the carry interview got cut to shit. And then we panicked uh, and, and you had to stay on for Chris Harris, which was such a great interview. So I stayed on for Chris Harris and I'm so glad I did. Cause I, I didn't think I didn't like in the beginning of Chris's interview, he was so, he was kind of deadpan at first and especially like off air. So I'm like, Oh shit, he's not going to give us anything. This is going to, this is going to just be garbage. And I was still high on Carrie. So I'm like, okay, let's just do this and get through it, man. It took Chris Harris, what a whole minute and a half to, to shake it off and get used to us. And, yeah, we all just gelled really well. One of my well. favorite interviews. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. That was a fun night. Um, something I'm really proud of for us is sponsoring the Barry Wrestling All Ontario Cup. That was awesome. Everything, everything we did involved in, in Barry Wrestling this year, um, I keep very close to my heart. From from sponsoring and promoting the the Bar- the All Ontario Cup to being at as many shows as we were able to be at to having a bunch of wrestlers on our show and becoming friends with some of these guys was very special to me um another highlight a lot of people will find this silly but i i I think it's cool was getting our logo on the cover of the chinlock wrestling calendar it's framed in my office yeah man yeah it's cool um something i'm proud of that we did is we the creativity of some of our lists this year yeah, you know, we 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 always try to be creative with our list. You know, sometimes we do, you know, like the top seven Shawn Michaels WrestleMania matches or or whatever. You know what I mean? Top well, sometimes seven. You got to give people, you know, the options because I guarantee there's going to be people sitting there going, "Well, when are they going to do this?" So every once in a while, you got to give them the obvious, right? I thought, you know, some of us. I really enjoyed the the rookies, top seven rookie years. I thought that was a fun list that we did. Um, you did that great one with Colby Durst, which was a fun one. The women's division, uh, yeah, we, did, we did Kings of Wrestling, we did top seven one night stand moments. Um, oh, Kings I, of Wrestling, the, the one you totally fucked up, not, not Kings of Wrestling. Yeah, the one Triple H isn't a king, I don't care what you say. Um, the only person that can say they're a king and is Jerry Lawler, he didn't have to win it, he just earned it. Um, you know, uh, NWO moments was really fun dream matches that only happen once SummerSlam entrances. It's just, you know, scrolling through all these um, top seven submission slash I quit matches, unforgiven matches. I just, I, I, you know, top seven mankind versus undertaker feud moments. I like the creativity that, that, uh, that we came up with uh, throughout the year. I'm proud of us. Me too, man. Me too. Uh, And it's just going to keep going to 2022 has so many potential great lists. Uh, I'll throw a spoiler out, man. Uh, one of the first shows in January, I'm going to be doing the best uh, GCW pay-per-views of 2021. Yes, and, and I'll be taking uh, that week off because I don't know anything about that. You no, need a better host. I promise you were going to stick around so you can learn something. Uh, but I am going to bring on a guest or two. I got. Uh, we might do our very first four-man panel on the show. Holy shit. Because I got uh, my friend Andrew Walsh coming on the show, no relation. And my friend and yours, I didn't tell you about this yet. I wanted to tell you on air. My boy, the elastic mark is back. No, baby. No, Danny Franchise on the show to talk some GC dub. Oh my god, we're gonna get cancel cultured. 
Uh, I love it. Well, it'd be, at least you're going to be here to be the referee. If it was just me and Danny, ooh, 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 you'd be fucked. Yeah, that might have to be a YouTube. Uh, that might have to be a, a, a special <laughs> show that uh, I might have to accidentally lose that footage. I don't know. We'll see. Like, the- like, like the first time me and Danny did a show? Yeah, no, you guys were pretty good. We only, I've only let you and Danny be together once by yourself. It was yeah. for a watch and what, happened to, and what happened to the footage? No, that wasn't my fault, though. That was Anchor's fault. I was on that show. He was well-behaved, yeah, kind of. He was kind of well-behaved on that one. Hey, if, he, if he doesn't hey, big-time us like he did our year-end show last we year. Watch long. We did great numbers. Yeah, you guys are over. Whatever. <laughs> uh, the last thing I want to say before we go ahead and wrap this up is stick around because... Uh, New year, new look is coming. Yeah. I got nothing else to say right now. But we will still drink a lot. I expect a lot of cool changes to to count it out, but the foundation of what we are is never going to change. Yeah. We're We're pieces of shit who like to drink and talk about wrestling. That's it, man. We're two marks who just want to fucking talk wrestling. We're going to yell at each other, and and we're going to talk about how much we love this fucking weird thing that we called professional wrestling and i made a new year's resolution eh yeah what's that i'm gonna teach you how to put together a top seven list that doesn't suck <laughs> you know it's my turn to do the candidate list this year right oh fuck you're gonna fuck it all up <laughs> take us home man and, take us into the new year let, let me let me start off by saying man i love you happy new year to you Happy New Year to everybody, everybody out there. I love you guys too. Um, man, here's the big things coming. On behalf of the most amazing stories this year had to offer, we have been counted 